Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 124 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it is made alone, Vault Wonder. And it's me, Carrick with ACG. We have a special guest joining us this week. Would you kindly introduce yourself? I am Michael, or Legacy Kill HD. Most of you guys, if you are aware, I do a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 content and a lot of other various stuff. But that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, welcome, welcome. Happy to have you here. We've been talking about this for a while, man. We chat all the time, and now we finally got you on the show, so it's great to have you here. A lot of news to to go through. And let's just, let's get right into it, man. Let's talk about our first piece of news. Resident Evil 7 is finally getting its DLC that was announced at the end of the game, actually. When you beat Resident Evil 7, there's a little picture that showed free DLC was coming in the spring. That never happened. So it's also getting that alongside a gold edition. And I found that a bit interesting because it comes out so early in the year that so many people forget about it. It came out right in the beginning of January. So I wonder if that's why they're re-releasing it with all the DLC. It also comes with the... uh, the, the Forgotten Tapes, I think it's called, or something along those lines. But then there's yeah. two official story DLCs. Uh, one is called The End of Zoe, where you discover what Zoe's fate will be. Players will face off against new enemies Ooh. and explore swamp-filled areas. The End of Zoe will be included in the Gold Edition or available as an update if you're a season <laughs> pass owner. really liked the idea of that. Did you hear Lone? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Zoe. Like, Whoa! <laughs> you, I'm not going to use rude words against her, but what she did... Uh, uh, owners of the original release will be able to purchase the content as a separate download for $15. Then there's the free Not a Hero DLC. So the one that was announced at the end of the game is still free. Uh, it sees the return of Resident Evil fan favorite and veteran BSAA soldier Chris Redfield taking place after the horrific events that befall Ethan Winters in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Not a Hero brings a brand new experience playing as Chris to face new threats not met in the main game. As a member of New Umbrella, Chris and team quickly set up a strategy to counter this latest threat. Will Chris once again solve the mystery of this latest outbreak and make it out of the plantation's dungeons alive? Both sound pretty good to me. And I loved Resident Evil 7. That's still on my game of the year list, man. So what do you guys think of this DLC? It's good they're finally getting around to it. I mean, it only took so long. (laughs) So, so which are the ones that are, are actually story DLC? Because now I'm a bit, bit the, confused now. The two I are they all story DLC? Uh, well, okay, remember in the main game, they had those little puzzles with the like the VCR tapes or something along those lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They released DLCs of like Volume 1, Volume 2 of those yep. like during the first two weeks after it came out, I think. And then afterwards, actually, I think it was not even a week. Because I remember I was talking about it on the podcast and dis- discussing whether or not we thought it was a little ridiculous because they clearly had it ready. Uh, but then the one, the two that I talked about, which are, what was the first one called? End of Zoe and Not a Hero. Those are the mm. story DLC. Because one takes place directly after Resident Evil 7. And I'm not going to lie, I forgot. I-, I remember the name Zoe. I think I remember what she did. But I never looked into it. Um, but yeah, she's... 
I know a main character in the Resident Evil 7 story, but yeah, you're going to be discovering what her fate is and so on. So both mm. of them tie into the main story of Resident Evil 7. I'm more excited about Not a Hero, not just because of Chris Redfield, but I didn't even know what the, the group he was a part of was called because you see the Umbrella logo and you're like, that's not good. And then he's a part of it and you think, okay, I thought these were villains. So it's really interesting to see how that's going to play out. So I'm more excited for that one. Uh, also, yeah. I if I remember right at the end, I could be wrong about this, but uh, at the end, when you see the Umbrella logo, it's slightly different. Which probably fits with the new umbrella. Yeah, that's ideal. the thing, though. You so, knew it was umbrella, and you're like, "What the?" F-? Yeah, you were like, "How does this fit together?" But the thing is, is you know, maybe they meant spring of 2019, and they're just ahead by <laughs> a couple of years or something. I don't know, but it, it, shit like that happens. It's something that we should expect from now on. January, February, December, March. We're gonna start seeing titles that are released during that time frame at the end of the year have a Dead Island Game of the Year edition kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Gold, gold edition. It's gonna. That, that is going to happen, and one of the reasons why it will happen is, as you said, it's like game of the year. You know, you were saying Resident Evil is my game of the year, even though it came out at this time. Yeah. Um, they're going to start doing it because it doesn't cost a ton. They can package it, make an entry on the store, and they get it back into the discussion, and suddenly people are like, oh, yeah, Resident Evil, exactly. and it becomes a game You're of right. the year. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man, because... A lot of the game of the year discussions are, are so loaded with recency bias. You know, usually it's like, <laughs> I think it really begins May and onwards. They're like, okay, now we're talking game of the year. Like, people just forget because it's so far back. Yeah. They're like, did I really enjoy it that much? It's like, Look, dude, I remember Resident Evil 7 fond as shit. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Can I say this as well? I yeah. mean, I, this is not to, to throw shade or anything, but just a conversation starter. I mean, I know people are saying that, and, and they are. I mean, game of the year editions and, you know, ultimate editions and all that they honestly they're just a marketing ploy they're just a way to sell more copies of a game i don't think anyone denies that but so too uh top five top ten game of the year lists on youtube they're the exact (laughs) same shit they're the exact same shit (laughs) and you know rightly so i've done those videos because they're enjoyable and fun fun. to do everyone loves watching those lists and everyone Mm -hmm. clicks on them so why not And, well, let's talk a a little bit about memory. We're talking to Maddie, who really liked the game and didn't know that Zoe is the main chick in it (laughs) because he's played so many games. And so getting it back, and that's nothing against Maddie. No, no, The same thing would happen to me. I'd be, and it's it's not that he doesn't know who the main chick is or the main dude, but it's the name sometimes. You have so many names Mm -hmm. in video games. So getting this stuff back into people's uh, brains, it it just makes sense. And and yeah, it's going to happen. When it comes to the top 10 and top 20, you know, bullshit. Yeah, that's that's exactly what those are there for. It's it's there. They're quick and easy to do. It's one of the reasons hey. why I, I don't think I think I did. I, I've done like goofy ones. I'll do like top. We've five all done it. I always fuck with it. But I, I think I've got three total on my entire channel. I hate those. Um, And and they are they're, they're a marketing ploy. I mean, you know, top 10, you know, best whatever's in a game. That's what yeah. they're there for. Well, a lot of the titles. How many uh, clicks and stuff IGN get on their top games of all time list? It's at the top of Google search results. Like, they would just get so much traffic because of that. And every time you click on a new game, it's a new ad that pops up. Like, it's this is all what it is. Yeah, you bet. All right. Well, this has started out incredibly positive. This is going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) Hang on. 
Hang on, let me go get some methadone here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's just it, it is what it is. That's, that's it is what I it is. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is people were asking. I think the best recent example, and it'll be in the discussion in a couple of weeks again when it actually releases, is the Fallout Four Game of the Year edition. I mean, we're talking about a game that was 2015. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was about to say it was so long ago, but it was you know pretty mixed reception, and um, people are asking why it's getting a Game of the Year edition. It's like it it could win one Game of the Year edition or one game of the year award rather and that's enough for them to put it on the box and resell it uh well, i mean it won you... three but still i think that's what they're trying to do just like Lone said marketing play resell it if you look at all the reviews though i mean from ign GameSpot, a lot of them gave it a nine nine point five out of mm-hmm. ten and of course that's part of their marketing ploy where you see it in all the ads and everything oh, yeah. with it but <laughs> a turd w- a turd with a joystick would be fucking rated an 8.9 <laughs> these guys don't know what number five four three two or one are so well, the general audience doesn't either, for the most part. Come on. Well, Luckily, no, no one does. does. <laughs> there, there is no, like, universally agreed upon uh, law. Oh, you cut out. You... Lone. See, Lone just got so excited that he's like, <laughs> fuck it. And most, or he was attacked by kangaroos <laughs> with scorpions glued to their punching bag. All right. Well, Lone. I... Lone? Dude, does anyone want to predict what he was about to say? If it's seven. Oh, oh there. He's... He's return. He's transporting realities right now. He, he is. He's, he's switching between in. dimensions. He can't decide where he wants to settle down. Will he come back to planet eating. Earth 2017? Did, he's eating his mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Yeah, what were you I saying? cut out, didn't I? Yeah, my, we, my we made Skype into a great. Being, yeah, we made into a great funny cut there. You know what? My my Skype is being a pain in the ass. All I, like, what was I saying? I was saying about how no one can really agree. On what these numbers in the top, you know, the top ten scale actually mean. I mean, I think right now, on average, people kind of say a game that's rated ten. Sorry, a game that's rated eight is pretty good. One that's seven, people are like, oh, seven? The fuck is that? Yeah. But you know, still, that there is no consistency with what they mean because they're, they're just numbers and they mean something different to everyone. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing is like people complain when these companies give too high of reviews, but when IGN, out of all people, cracked down on Prey. They had a game-breaking bug that, although was pretty rare, apparently, they gave it a four, and the internet exploded to the point where IGN, like, changed the thumbnail, grayed out the picture, put a big red X in it, said, old reviews, Prey on PC, like, completely canceled it, made an article amending it, because so many people were pissed that you know they, what I'd do? they gave it such a Fuck low it, score. Fuck it, Maddie. Fuck it. Next time that happens to one of us, I'm going to do a video every day where I lower the score. I'm going to be all four <laughs> fuckers Monday, three, two, one. And there'll be all matter. Maddie, you review it because I'm not even going to review it. The numbers don't go any lower like that. <laughs> that kind of bullshit spineless crap needs to go away. If you take the time to edit your fucking video, you got multiple people at your company looking at it, which YouTubers don't usually have. They have one unless you're Markiplier or whatever has got like 200 people working for him. The fact is is that most of us have to create stuff and look at it. These guys have multiple people looking at it. And if you're such a fucking coward that you have to turn that off and do all of that stuff, that is not only a problem with that review, that is a problem with your entire review system. You, You need to know that by the time you put your stamp on it, it makes sense to you and you can defend it or you can you know, champion it, whichever that may be. And I'm not saying people don't make mistakes. I'm saying that when multiple people have safeguards in place, fuck you with your mistakes like that. Sorry, that should not happen. I agree. I'm off my soapbox. (laughs) What were you about to say? Did you end up taking that methadone? I don't know. I think Kara got me. He he, he was getting heated. You know, I think I lost (laughs) my train of thought there, but I got uh, really engrossed. (laughs) 
think uh, Carrick summed it up. So, yeah. yeah. That's so true. All right, man. Well, Resident Evil 7. Really exciting stuff. <laughs> I don't even think we, we turned talked it about into, Resident Evil. It, we, we, yeah, and then we were like, Prey and IGN, what the fuck, scores? <laughs> Top 10 list? This is exactly how Friday podcasts should go, by yeah. the way. Where yeah. you wonder if the people are all drunk. You have to question <laughs> yeah. the time. Like, is Carrot really drinking, you know, generic Mountain Dew? Or is that, like, something yeah, is that really... Walmart brand stuff you drink? Or... Great value. Oh, dude, it's not even Walmart. It's, like, Dollar Store's generic shit. Ah, uh, but it still tastes <laughs> the same, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah. uh, chemicals taste the same, right? Mm-hmm. Strychnine's going to taste like Strychnine regardless, so <laughs> fuck it. And this can, is, like, can I 90... say really quickly, you, you guys in the States, man, your fucking <laughs> takeaway cups are takeaway. massive. Oh no! Takeout. It's takeout, isn't it? See, yeah. even that's fucking. It's like Marcus Brecky oh, all over again. Last time I went to California, you go to a Seven Eleven or whatever it's called, and you're like, "Yeah, can I get a, a medium soft drink, please?" And they give you this fuck off large cup that doesn't even fit in your <laughs> cup. Whole stuff. Like it's it's ridiculous, guys. I mean, come on, get it together. No, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. If anybody should have a big, if anybody should have like a big drink cup, it'd be you guys because you're running from fucking scary shit all the time. But so, we don't. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like this you should have comparison. I made. You should have anti kangaroo, you know, guards that you can <laughs> McDonald's and shit. What is the, the, the comparison I made is our large. So I'm even going to use the word, and you guys are going to get triggered by it. But our large meals at Macca's or McDonald's are smaller than your. Small meals in America. That's, Everything's larger here. Everything, yeah. Everything. We found America. that out. Switch launched, and we got our controllers. We were like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh hey, hey, everybody. Have fun playing your fucking quarter. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I played... Uh... I played Mario Kart 7 with three friends, and it was before they all got their own Joy-Cons, so we're playing on these fucking things. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you got, like, my thumbs hurt so badly. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I genuinely I... think I'm going to get arthritis from playing the Switch so much. I'm, <laughs> yeah. not even, I'm not even lying. Dude, it's crazy. And I want to apologize to Maddie. I just realized, sorry, dude, I got to turn my F-bomb filter on. I want you to have at least one video not demonetized. No, so I, I apologize. You need a Carrick bleep, like, no. where it just says, like, fruit. Whenever yeah, I yeah, cut. Just, yeah, your voice is replaced <laughs> with fruit. What the fruit? Just fruit. <laughs> just all time. Oh, boy. I got to write down a new timestamp. All right. Um, let's move on to Destiny 2 reviews. This is a, an excellent segue, actually, to how our, our conversation derailed with Resident Evil 7. So what we wanted to discuss today is Destiny 2 had a bunch of reviews pop out on launch day. They were all reviews in progress. And we're uh. thinking, okay, let's let's see what they are. And each of them openly confessed in the review. We went to a little preview event. We played, I don't know how many hours of it, <clears throat> enough to get through like half of the game. And then they mm. said they came home, made the review, labeled it a review in progress, although they were restarting the game with everyone else upon launch day. So can we say that a, a game played at a preview event, pretty much rushed, and tossed up on launch day is a review in progress or preview impressions? Oh, I think it's a review in progress. So that's four patches prior, by the way. At least that's what I was informed was three to four patches ago um, was what they were playing. The thing that bothers me is you and I, or at least I was invited, but we've talked about this off podcast. um, That was labeled as a preview event, not a review event. And then something changed between then and now. And they were told, they were given the go ahead to label it a review. One of the issues that I have isn't that I don't agree with you. 
I don't think that they were clear about it because there were reviews that said Destiny 4 review and you would read it. And at the very bottom, there was one specific instance. I beat the game, played PvP, played uh, strikes and was then able to do a review in a small amount of time. How could they not do the same thing? And the fact is, they also Uh, didn't mention the PS4 Pro issue, which is widely known. And it was something that occurred at the preview event. hmm. To, to How be did fair, that with, not with, get I, into their with IGN and, and GameSpot, when I see their articles, it's pretty clear at, in the title itself that it's a review in progress. And look, I, I don't mind the reviews in progress because, yeah. you know, w- when a game doesn't get review codes, right? And it definitely is different because the fact is you have to test out the multiplayer and that only goes live or close, you know, live close to launch. But the thing that I like about reviews in progress, for one, it gives an IGN and a GameSpot, etc., a reason not to rush a review. They can upload a review in progress, still get a bunch of views, and then continue the main review. And people, I don't, so long as it's in the title, aren't necessarily misled as to what this is. Is it a full review? Is it a review in progress, etc.? So I don't mind that because it it prevents the whole rushing thing. And I actually think it, you know those initial impressions before you completely finish a game, they're valid because what happens if you read someone's review in progress and they say it's really good and then you read someone's full review and then it turns out to be really bad? That's important information, Hmm. I'd argue. Good points. Good points. Well, it goes outside of um, not even just Destiny. That's a problem with all of uh, gaming with the amount of reviews that seem to have... It's always rushed. That's the problem right now. It's not just IGN, GameSpot. It's a lot of these maybe lower tier gaming companies. You'll see these reviews come out real fast, and they're rushed, and they don't really, they don't really uh, showcase what the actual video game is, whatever it is. Maybe not just Destiny. This goes back to Bethesda's issues with Prey and their new policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, because I think with that review policy and what, after a lot of companies copy that review policy, it, it's put a rush on reviewers. And they're responsible to just, you know, beat the game and digest it for a moment before, you know, or fucking puking up a review on the internet. I mean, Um, can I say this as well? I mean, and and I love, I'm not bringing this up as a slide against you, Maddie, but with Fallout 4 and the two weeks that I had to to play before release, even that, I felt like I rushed it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I put 40 plus hours into Fallout 4, but that's 40 hours into Fallout. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's really nothing. It it's not enough. Like, to, it's true. I did have to rush that review. <laughs> it shows. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, it's I, not I enough to, to test the side quest properly. Yeah. Like, you could probably finish the main quest and a bunch of side quests, but not everything. You yeah. can't really bug test a lot of stuff. Like, it's such a, it's such a huge game. And that's oh, yeah. why, when the internet got its hands on it, perception's changed. You well, know? yeah. Actually, day one, day... I, I think that the big thing actually isn't... It has nothing to do with that because all gamers are different. Some people won't finish it. 12% of people finish the game, of any game. Here's the problem. There needs to be a clarity of purpose whenever you're reviewing a game. For example, I just did a video on this. In all of the reviews I've done, four have been rushed to the point to where I was informed earlier than I would like. Four. And I've done hundreds Mm. of reviews. It doesn't Mm. happen. I'm sorry, but I'll argue with any of you guys who say that that happens. It doesn't. These companies do give code out early. They do try to of inform you early. Yeah. But, but so, so when somebody says rushing a review, I'm like, sorry, unless it's a magical world that exists where I don't, then what I've experienced for the most part is not that. What I care mm. about is the clarity. And, and so, you know, Lone says he saw that on IGN and GameSpot, they were 
fairly clear. That's what I'm talking about. That yeah, matters yeah. more to me than anything is the clarity. Because guess what? Polygon fucking wasn't. There were multiple companies that weren't. that were huge and then changed their titles later. Well, that's and the issue right there alone. It, the it's clarity. Just, it's, it's becoming a problem where you're not able to exactly understand even what code they were playing. And that to that bothers me because we can't celebrate day one fucking patches and then yell and scream that like, oh, you're playing something, you know, four weeks ago, you said it was great and it's different now. Well, guess what? I mean, if, if you have day one patches here, the thing about day one patches, see, so now I'm starting to get pissed. Hang on. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm starting, I'm fucking livid about this, but day one patches and patching as a whole. They, they should no longer have preview events like that where you do not have a a game that is retail-specific and is the a copy of what consumers will get. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all I want to say. Wait, wait, wait. Can, Are you, you saying can... that at a preview event it should only be an early code? No, I'm saying that if you are going to allow people to rate that as a review or even put review anywhere in their titles, because trust me, NDAs are pretty fucking specific. You know this. NDAs they are, are very specific. specific. Everybody, yeah. So yeah. you can't tell me, you cannot fucking tell me that everybody didn't know this was going to happen. Because the reviews, that it changed over time from a preview event to a full review event. It's the Metal Gear Solid goddamn cocksucking bullshit that we've had before. <laughs> Where that Phantom Pain bullcrap preview event turned into a, a, a bunch of reviews yeah. that were not accurate. And so companies, if they want a preview event, great. But you have to tell every person leaving that you cannot label this a review until the, re- until the, you know, the, the, so, the player this is the interesting and the reviewer is, are playing the same thing. I mean, usually, like this is my experience. So I, I don't speak for all companies. But usually my experience with preview events is that there are NDAs and there are embargoes. But they're usually not as detailed as those for formal review codes. Yeah. I mean, the one that I got for Fallout 4, that was extensive shit. But mm. every review event that I've gone to, it's just like, you know, this is the date hmm. you can't upload until then. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know whether... It, it, but uh, like, have you guys experienced well, that with a re- review of it? Preview of it? Yeah, I was gonna say I'm the opposite. Actually, Fallout Four. That when I got that review code, <clears throat> that wasn't overly specific. I, I remember just because he was letting me decide, like, do you want a PS4 code? Do you want PC? And I was like, look, I'll just take PC. Um, but with NDAs at preview events, like when I walk in, they got like a fucking contract and they're like, sign here, here. here. Really? Yeah. That's not like, my that's experience happened. at all. Yeah. Usually Microsoft ones, a um, couple of Ubisoft, but yeah, like they, yeah, they'll have you sign shit like right on the spot. And I, I go through it just to make sure. But, you know, it, it's like those, those are the ones where I see the heaviest. But then like Carrick and I have shared, we just get a kick out of it when we get these embargoes and these little uh details and and fixes that first the, the 30 minutes make. of the game is all you can show yeah you know stuff <laughs> like that that's that's where the ridiculous limitations come in more than anything like i'll, I'll just sign the typical nda at a preview event but yeah the, the the silly stuff really steps in with game review codes where most of them are like just don't show you know here's a spoiler guide once you beat the game read it so you know what not to show that's I get fine. no, I get spoilers that, that's completely yeah. understandable in, but i mean there's some in my segments opinion. they just entirely 
Like that, like Gears of War four. I love that game, but that stuck out as one of the <laughs> I weirdest knew you were ones. That. What the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> I even joked about it. Was so bad that the joke in my video confused everybody because I said we're not allowed to talk about the story basically at all. So, and then I said Marcus's kid, Marcus is dead. Uh, one of them at that time was like supposedly passed away, and. Yeah. Everybody was like, what do you mean? You got the wrong. And I'm like, you, you don't get it, man. Like, that was the joke. We weren't even allowed to discuss the very basics of the title as a review. Yeah. Like, that's when you have a problem. But for us, preview, I got chased through uh, PAX and chased through GDC by uh, Ubisoft because we had uh, footage that was not supposed to be shown on previews. And we signed a bunch of stuff. So they took it serious. I can, really? I can only speak. Yeah, see, yeah, Gilberto. Huh. I hope you're listening. Yeah, dude, they, <laughs> they, see, they yeah. were cool with me because Scott. Um, I remember I was at, it was for E3 2016, and mm -hmm. I went to a Ubisoft pre preview event, and I scheduled Ghost Recon Wildlands gameplay to upload, and it went up like three hours earlier, which in the scheme of things isn't isn't a big deal, but some people are are real sticklers on it. They're like, no, you you yeah. cannot upload anything whatsoever, accident or not beforehand. And because what happened was when I scheduled the upload, I, I set it for New York time just because it's kind of like it, a, yeah. instant thing. And, and I was in L.A. So I, you know, it goes up three hours earlier. I'm like, fuck. And uh, I texted him. He's like, look, you know, if I text you later, <laughs> take it down. But if I don't get back to you, then just leave it up. It's not a huge deal. And, I was, and he never got back to me. I was like, all right. So they were really cool. They never hunted me down. So that's yeah. that's really interesting. And people must but just hate you, man. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh no, he was great. We we caught footage of Syndicate, Assassin's okay. Creed Syndicate, and he yeah. they the the PR guy was like, "Okay, you can play this area." Well, the developer and I started talking about development stuff, and pretty soon the developer was in a place he was not supposed to be. Oh, and so we had all this Ooh. footage. So we walk off, no lie, and I I mean my phone is like ding ding ding, and I look and this PR guy, great guy by the way, I mm -hmm. count him as yeah. a personal friend now. He was like, "Dude." I meet me at like the Minecraft telltale <laughs> telltale corner right away, and I'm like, "Are we doing a drug deal?" So I show up. <laughs> he's, doing a drug deal. he's all seriously. I need that back. We need to re remove the footage, and it wasn't anything crazy. Um, but and then the same thing happened at PAX one time where we and it's you know you start going off track, especially with me talking, and and mm. we, we have some footage we're not supposed to have, and. You know, they do that. I think the difference is, is that Maddie, myself, Legacy, we might get invited to a different style of preview event than perhaps so. Lone does. Yeah. And, and and this is the thing, right? I mean, look, I, I think any publisher, any developer, it's completely up to them to design, to decide how they design their preview events and NDAs and, and review codes and all that kind of stuff, right? I d it, it would just be great. And I'm not saying, you know, why, this is a widespread issue. Um, but it would be good to see, you know, if an, if an IGN does go to a review event, and this is seemingly what they did, is to say, this was a review event, sorry, this was a preview event, this was the code, it wasn't the retail code, it wasn't the release code or anything like that. Just be honest honest with what it is. Yeah. I mean, any kind of information about a game, whatever you call it, you know, is, is useful before someone actually purchases it, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, I think it's useful information if you're playing a preview code a week before the game's released, and then you're pay playing the actual um, retail code, and you see how many things have improved. You can say 
the developer has significantly improved this game. And that's useful information to anyone reading that. But so long as you're honest about it. And I wanted to touch on the whole Cuphead thing. I don't know if you guys have heard about that whole thing. Oh, my. So the the journalist (laughs) pretty much wasn't that good at um, the game, right? And I don't know what that person actually said about Cuphead, whether they said it was a bad game. And, you know, that was kind of helped by the fact that they were pretty bad at the game themselves. But uh, I I didn't necessarily care. So sorry, what did he say? No, I was just going to say, he, he said he liked it. He said he, he thought it was challenging, but he liked it. Okay, or so and this is the thing, right? Impressions. Sorry. I mean, I, I didn't care that this guy was bad at the game because I can be bad at games too. I mean, so long as you, you, you say, look, I'm not that good at games. I played it. I still enjoyed it or whatever it is. I think that information is just as useful as someone that's really good at a game that plays it because when you look at the games industry as a whole, you have people that aren't good at games, you have people that are average at games, and you have people that are very good at games. That information is going to be useful to someone. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has to be an MLG super awesome you know, game player and then release that information and have it be applicable to everyone. Sometimes I just like someone that's casual at games that's not that good to review a game because then I relate to it. Then I might see whether I might personally like that game or not. So long as they're honest about it and say, look, hey guys, I'm not that good at games, which I try and say, but this is what I thought anyways. See, for and... me, it's like, I don't think you need to be good at games to, to review them because, like you said, you could have some guy who's an MLG at Call of Duty. He, I'm not going to have him review Prey for me. Just because he's good at games doesn't mean he knows what makes a good game. So if the I think yeah. his name is Dean um, Takahashi, I think that was his name. It if, is it, okay. If Dean knows what makes a good game, and if he still, despite struggling with Cuphead, gets through it and can make a comprehensive review and break down what he liked and disliked about it, regardless of the challenge, then you know what? That's fine. I mean, it depends though. Does he account for his own skills? Does he say like, okay, I'm a little bad at games. So well, is this game actually challenging? Sorry, yeah, no, there you go. Well, he's an industry veteran too. You got to remember that That's too. It. This is not a, like a new guy who just got into gaming. He doesn't know what he's doing. This is he's been around a long time, mm-hmm. which is why when I saw that whole thing on, I think it was Twitter. It was uh, I was I was mixed on it honestly, because yeah. I can see one of the, one uh, one side of the uh, perspective, and then uh, the other side I I can understand too. Oh, completely. That's the thing is I, I get why people would see that and be like, why is this guy reviewing my games? Now, I'm, I'm going off hearsay here, but when I was reading about him in general, apparently he's wrote some really insightful books about game development in general. So he knows yeah. what goes into yeah. games and stuff. Industry veteran. Yeah, as you said, industry veteran. So that stuff's important mm-hmm. to know. Like I said, I can I, – I, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's a very mixed approach to it because I can see where people are coming from where you, you know you have to be able to get through the game you know where he probably they should put him on games that don't require that crazy challenge like if they put him on dark souls it's game over man at least from that and, that and this snippet. is the thing though i mean if you say if, if a reviewer was to review a game and they're not that good at games and they were to say this game is too hard the mechanics are too difficult but that's specifically because they're not that that good at a game then that's that's a problem yeah you know, if I say if I was to play Dark Souls and I died a lot and I said this game is fucking shit because I'm dying so much, the mechanics are too hard, yeah. the game doesn't teach you enough, then that's not a useful review because I'm not that good at the game. But so long as I say, hey guys, I'm actually not good at this game or this style of game, this is my experience, you, you can't discount that as valid information because if someone else that's not that good at Dark Souls wants to get into it, he doesn't want to review the reviews of people that are good at Dark Souls. He wants to read read the reviews of someone that has a, you know, uh, a competency with games similar to him or her. Well, what happens then is that, okay, 
I, I just want to hypothetically speak. Let's say, you know, he reviews Cuphead. He's like, all right, it's a little too challenging, guys. You know, it's a good game. I like the the grab, the, you know, the art style yeah. and, and the atmosphere it brings, but it's too challenging. Then he makes a review of um, that Edith Finch game, whatever, some type of walking yeah, yeah, game yeah. where you're just yeah, picking up yeah. notes and, and it's just really the story being told to you. You're not doing any gameplay. He gives that I'm a raving review. Yeah. yeah, he let's say he gives that a raving review. Then you have this situation here where you can tell um, that based off his skill level, he's maybe favoring games based off of that. With that said, this is what boils down to what I say about every single review, myself included. Reviews are glorified opinions. That is all they are. Absolutely. It is our job as reviewers to inform you as best as we can. But this is why you don't watch one preview, one review, one gameplay. You watch as many as you fucking possibly can until you feel like you feel comfortable spending or not spending your money that's what you do that's why when someone and Carrick shared this uh this insight with me personally when someone doesn't like his review he says check out this one i do that now you don't like my yeah. take on it that's fine i don't care i'm just giving you my opinion on this game try this review too he's really exactly. good that's what you got to do but at the end of the day, the only issue that I would have is, say, if Dean made the review of Cuphead, I, I didn't read his review if he put it up, yeah, but yeah. if he had said that this game's too difficult, so I only can give it a six, that's an issue. And, no, but, and, and that's, I agree with you on exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Because in that instance, he's not being honest about his own, you know, competency as a video gamer. Like, again, I don't care if he's really good or really bad, so long as he tells us that. But the, but this is the thing. I mean, Matty just said that before, Resident Evil 7 is probably his game of the year. It's one of my no, top games like, this I, year. I, it's one of my top. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. One of your top, right? And but, but like, I think for me, Resident Evil would be at the top or probably not as close or not as highly regarded as Matty does because I'm not that good at the game. So I died a lot. So, you and know, obviously. No, no, but this, and this is the thing, right? I can say, look, I'm not that good at the game. I died a lot. Did that, that like, did me dying a lot and be oh, killing, killed a lot okay. affect my experience? Of course it affect, affected my experience. I mean, that's why there are difficulty sliders in games where you can go, look, I just want to enjoy the game, more, you know, as much as I can. I'll set it to easy. And maybe that's the key here. Maybe if there is a, a reviewer or a journalist that's playing a game and he's not that good at games or she's not that good at games, set the difficulty to a low difficulty mm-hmm. and then review it. Yeah. That, I, I don't know, but it's, it's hard to say. Carrick, what do you think, buddy? Let me clear my throat. Hang on just one second. He's just taking... He's getting ready. Some type of pill. Here we go. Yeah, it, it's just crank. No no big deal. So here's the thing. <laughs> and, and it is not crank because I'm sure somebody's going to think that's real. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple problems. First, this is the same motherfucker who rated Mass Effect Andromeda as defect because he forgot to assign his own skill points in the game and then had to go back and write an entire write-up about him forgetting to assign skill points. So I didn't know that. The, here's the problem. He made a mistake. He went out and he said he, he, he did it, for, and, and he wrote a, a basically a return and said, you know what, I made a mistake. The game isn't bad. I forgot to assign skill points. Well, what that does show, though, is that somebody is getting to a certain point in a game without understanding particular game mechanics in Mass Effect Andromeda, and then we see it we see it again in Cuphead. Additionally, the reason why this is viral is because somebody else took snippets of it and then blew it up on their own channel and sort of mm-hmm. used it as a, hey, here's everything about journalists and reviewers that's bad. First uh... of all, fuck you 
if you think that there is a difference between a journalist and a reviewer. Do you know what the difference is? One writes for a website and records videos. One records videos and maybe even writes for a website. They're the same fucking thing. Let's not pretend they're not. Additionally, not everybody's good at games right away. Every damn idiot who comes on and says, get good, is bad at something else and wasn't good originally. If you do believe that, you are a liar and you are lying to yourself and you have a horrible future ahead of you when some point the truth is going to be revealed. Those kind of things bother me. There isn't a winner in all this because there's a ton of issues. There's the issues with him. He's had issues with Cuphead. He wasn't understanding the very basics of it. He had issues with Mass Effect. So there's a bit of history there, which I understand. But mm. then you also have this shit where people are attacking each other instantly. And I did the Polygon one. So Polygon played Doom. And it literally looked like Helen Keller was playing Doom. Like, I still don't know how they even recorded it because they could not shoot a dude right in front of them. In fact, yeah. it was so bad, I mimicked it in my review as a joke. I like to look at the history, to look at what people understand about games, and to sort of discuss that. But I don't necessarily feel like you should say, look at this person. They are representative of these people because they're not. That is wrong. And what mm -hmm. happens is the same thing is going to be returned to him. Now everybody's going to think all YouTubers are assholes who collect only two minutes of footage. And, and that bothers me. There is no win here. And I think that that's the actual big problem because U.S. Gamer did a big write-up on this yesterday. And they mentioned me as somebody who's like, you can go to Carrick for these kind of reviews, go blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's great. But then I got a bunch of people who posted on my video and we're like, well, where's the Cuphead review? Are you going to be able to... And I'm like, you guys are concentrating on the wrong shit. And I think that that's what all this sort of points out, is that it, it, puts, it puts focus on the person and not the game. As long as you're clear in your review, the focus should still be about the game. Right. And you, you filter your experience through your delivery. Mine's fun factor and buy, wait yep. for sale. Somebody else's is numbers. That's how you do it. And I'm sad because what this means is it means a person has to live with some hate mail and fucking people attacking him. But at the same time, he probably should have been thinking a little bit about that footage and how he got to that point. Like, there's a ton of mistakes. And you come out of it, nobody wins coming out of this. Well, people have been attacking sucks. IGN about this. Or not IGN, whatever company's been working for. Sorry, I don't Venture recall. Venture Beat, but... is it? Yeah. Venture Beat. Yeah, Venture Beat or Game Beat. Um... He, they were saying that the company who told him to do this review should have got somebody that's more experienced with whatever type of game that is, you know. So I guess this goes back to necessarily who they're handing these reviews out to. Because some of these yeah. companies are huge, like IGN. Some people have issues with who's playing it, who's reviewing it. Because I've seen that too many times I hear people commenting, oh, this person doesn't know what they're doing. They've never known how to play an FPS, you know. So yeah. it goes back. I. It's not necessarily just the uh, reviewer, but people want to put the blame on the companies who, I guess, assign these games to whoever. And that's again with clarity. That's again with clarity, though. If Lone isn't good at first-person shooters, can he not tell his best friend how good or how much he enjoyed a first-person shooter? Bullfucking shit. And all yeah. of these people who are complaining mm -hmm. have best friends that they go and ask, hey, you playing Destiny 2? Yeah, how many hours you played? Oh, only about an hour. Well, what do you think of your first hour? So fuck off. This kind of stuff yeah. happens all the time. And I don't mean legacy fuck off. I'm saying these people who respond like this. <laughs> no, no, I got um, you. 
I, I absolutely despise that as long as you're clear. If if Maddie mm-hmm. is not good at JRPGs and says, <sighs> guys, I'm not the best, guess <laughs> what? Be but, you know, listen, <laughs> people then throw listen, their opinion out the door. That's listen, what people do, and it's, it's annoying. The, it is. The yeah. best part about that is that Maddie is now representative of everybody entering the game market today. Because these fuckers who are walking around who are 30 or 40 years old with a book of woe on their back like a fucking dwarf and pissed about every game that comes out doesn't realize that somebody bought an Xbox One yesterday. And that's mm-hmm. their first game. Yeah. So yep. talk about the game and discuss it and explain from a point of I'm not the best at this. And then a consumer can get multiple reviews, like Maddie said before, mm-hmm. where they can go, okay, Carrick likes sound and music. These guys aren't covering it. I'll, I'll follow Carrick for a second and find out what he thinks of Destiny. And then I'll go over here to see this MMO channel and how they deal with the grind and all that stuff. Exactly. It's, yeah, and, and it's, it's tough because sad um, as fuck, man. You know, when, when, when it comes to, to journalists at a games news website, they usually like their viewers and their readers don't get to know them as well as they get. To, like you can get to know True. an influencer, someone That's on YouTube. So you, using myself as, as as an example, when I stream a bunch of games, and you can clearly see, like you're connecting with me, but you can clearly see that I'm not that good at the game. And, and I'm a pretty average gamer. But then at the end, they'll be like, all right, well, Lone, well, what did you think about this game? And I'll give my opinion. They've gone through that journey where they understand how I play games, the things that I like, and then get my opinion. You don't necessarily have that re- with a reviewer on, on like a Games News website because you're just reading straight text. Mm-hmm. You don't know this person. You don't know whether they're good or bad at games. So that's why that information needs to be given up front. Like if you were to say, look, I'm not that good at RPGs, for instance, or I'm not that good at strategy games like Mario and Rabbids. Like, I don't have that strategic mind, but I still wanted to give my thoughts with that perspective in mind. I want to tell you right at the start. And again, I will say that that information is still useful. And if it's not useful to you, then go look at a Total Biscuit. Go look at a Carrot. Go look at someone that, you know, does have that strategic mind and is really good at those games and then come to an opinion about whether you like the game or not. Exactly like what Maddie said. Yeah. Do you know what disturbs me too is that we all have to when we do our videos, loans playing through it, Maddie's showing whatever he can on an embargo, myself included, legacy showing stuff. I'm assuming if it's Red Dead 2, probably stuff that they're releasing and talking about the new content that might be there. The problem that that we have is that I am always asked to show the end of the game or near it, and I always want to. So I'll show like the achievement pop for winning. A yeah. website has three pictures. And there's no yep. way of knowing if they even came close to beating that game or yeah, getting done true. with it. And that, to me, is the clarity I need. More than mm. any of this other stuff, I need the clarity of, like, did you get to the point in State of Decay where suddenly you find out that continual skills are just levied out to you to where it sort of blossoms into this huge thing? Or did you only play the four hours for a Let's Play or a quick look because you wanted your views and you're not actually representative of what's going on in the game as a full title. There's there's so many problems, guys. It's like yeah. we could talk for... There's like 50 problems. Well, yeah. yeah. Carrick, one thing that you did mention, uh, a lot of you, where you said that the game needs to be judged, not the reviewer. It goes back to some of these other people, you know, like Jim Sterling. You'll hear about what his take was on Breath of the Wild or Hellblade, people's uproar, outrage. And I don't think that's <laughs> going to change, unfortunately. It's never going to change because people, it seems like people just want to get angry about everything. And yeah, people but, are on. Agree. Uh, go go ahead. Ahead. No, and I was going to say agreed, but somebody like Jim uh, made it much worse by changing his, uh, yeah. his score. And or by putting that score in the first place. Additionally, the plain and simple fact is, and I say this all the time, put your fucking head down and make another video. Don't worry yes. about the outrage. Yeah, because there are people out there who are like us who don't want to get outraged. Make for them, create for them. Yeah. And over yeah. time, 
over time, you're going to leave him behind. And one question: and, uh, How drastic? I don't mean to cut you off. How drastic was his change in opinion on Breath of the Wild or Hellblade? Was it like Hellblade was the biggest one? He went from yeah. because there was a game breaking thing. I think five six hours in because I think he had to grab a torch. Mm-hmm. He gave it a one out of ten, and wow. it just went off. And I think uh, maybe a day later, maybe less than a day, he went back up and gave it a seven because I think he felt bad because he thought it was a great game. So that that sounds exactly like the IGN situation with Prey. Is, is that any different? Mm-hmm. No, and it's like Mass Effect and this guy. But the pro to me, the issue is is that when you look at those scores and and people giving those scores, I said this before. I have an NDA that says I cannot talk to other reviewers. So Jim is doing his review and he has a game killing bug. Guys, they're asking for fucking money. At some point. As a reviewer or as a person covering a game, you have to put your fucking foot down and say, this is broken. The car doesn't have brakes. Oh, well, just buy it. Maybe they'll show up later. This mm. is the stupid beta-like mentality that people have. If, if Jim gets a game-breaking bug, Jim probably can only do one thing, email the PR company. Yep. And who knows when they'll get back to him. And I'm sure Jim did. He is, can, I'm can, absolutely can I sure he did. I mean, this is, this is I'm what I sure said. did. When the, pray, when the IGN Prey thing happened... I said, look, put the mm-hmm, review, yeah. co- uh, uh, what's, what's it called, the score aside for a second, yeah? Uh-huh. The fact that this person experienced a game-breaking bug and told the internet about it, that is useful information. I want to know about that because that's going to help me decide whether or not I'm going to buy the game because let's say I, I really don't like bugs or let's say you know I can put up with them but only to an extent. If they're game-breaking, I don't like that. That information is useful, as was Jim right. Sterling's information with experiencing that bug in Hellblade because now I, now I pretty much know how to avoid that if it's not patched or until it's not patched, yeah. The, I think the issue is, is in that situation, I just don't think you should give the game a score. Just give mm. it a non-applicable score. Just give it an NA. Say, look, loan, I can't finish the game. They're asking for money, loan. They're asking for money. If You know what? If mm. it, it, I mean, they're asking for money, dude. I just don't know anything other to say than that. If they're asking for 60 bucks and the game doesn't work for you, it's a bug, not a stopper. If it was a stopper, it wouldn't yeah. work for anybody. It's a bug, so maybe yeah. not everybody's getting it. But that you have to. You have to still give your representation of what you experienced. But I'm not, I'm, and, not saying, I'm not saying that you don't do that, because the fact is, Jim did give his representation. He said there is a game-breaking bug, but that's different to, in terms of whether or not you give a score. Like, you don't have to... Like, I can say I had a game-breaking bug, and that information is is transferred to the to the viewer that might be purchasing this game or not. You don't have to like regardless of whatever I give the you know the game in terms of a score. That's what is important, not whether I give it a, a non applicable or a zero out of ten or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I agree. I just so you know, I totally yeah. agree. But then we get into what is the crowd and the audience going to pay attention to, or even. It, no, are they just I, and, and, that's, and that's a problem. So. Like you know, like I know what you mean. Like if you yeah. gave a zero out of ten, that's going to make people sit up and notice and say, "Oh shit, that must have been a really bad game-breaking bug." And maybe that message wouldn't have been communicated as well if you just gave it a non-applicable or just didn't right. give it a review score. But although I still will say that you know I, I don't like people giving review scores unless they they've finished a pretty good chunk of the game sure. or the, mm-hmm. the entire Agreed. game. And even it doesn't matter whether it's a game-breaking bug or they just stopped playing it. If you can't finish a game, like I, I if you're going to give a review score, that doesn't make sense to me because you're not reviewing the entire product. If it's a game-breaking bug, it's that's just like 
a tough situation. I, I agree. But again, I think the, the most important thing is that you tell everyone that there's a game-breaking bug. Mm-hmm. I don't think that requires you to give a score of some sort. Just say, I can't give a score or it's a non-applicable out of 10. Well, there's two things I want to interject. Yeah. Number one, and I apologize for backtracking into the conversation, um, but it comes down to, you know, when most people watch reviews from a big site, like an IGN, GameSpot, whatever, what you got to do if you're watching reviews from those sites is get to know the reviewer itself. For example, Agreed. I sometimes watch IGN reviews, and, and a lot of times people will generalize and say, IGN gave this an 8.7. Okay, who from IGN, though? Because not everyone at IGN thinks the same and acts the same and, and whatnot. So for me, personally, I like the guy. He makes concise reviews, but I don't really line up in agreement with Dan Stapleton and his reviews at IGN, personally. So yeah, when yeah. I see him same. reviewing yep. a game, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to watch this. Not because I don't like him, not because I got an issue with him, but just, okay, my tastes don't align with his. He has problems with things in games that I don't. So for me, it, it would not make sense for me to believe, even if it's a game I'm really excited for, to see that 9 out of 10, you know, watch that review. My tastes don't align with his, so it wouldn't be too smart. Although it's, rather it wouldn't be too smart, but it wouldn't make all that much sense for me to go and watch his review when I know I'm probably going to disagree with him. I got to find someone first who maybe aligns with my taste, then hear the other side of the coin from him. Mm. The other thing I was going to say is that I'm definitely, I've, out of the hundreds of reviews I've made, I have changed only one, and it was my Fallout 4 review. So I know what it's like, personally, I can speak, for being in that position where you have people screaming right at you, telling you, you're fucking wrong, you're fucking wrong, and, hey, guess what? You're fucking wrong. And, it, yeah, it can get a little overbearing. It depends how new you are to it. Now, Jim Sterling, he should not, he, he's not new to this, and I'm not excusing myself for <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, that's true. But he's not new to <laughs> yeah. this. He, he gets yelled at a lot, and I'm not saying, you know, it's a good thing or a bad thing, whatever. I was new to it. I, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. And I made this stupid review, and I got yelled at for it. The difference when we've gone back to this earlier in the podcast where it was a matter of perspective where I had this very limited time. I tried to get through the game as fast as possible out of both excitement and trying to deliver a review on this product, and it it didn't work out all that well. So I had to change it. I don't think changing reviews is the worst thing in the world um, if you truly believe what is happening. My viewers, the ones who were calm with me, and friends as well, presented the facts. I took a look at them. And they were right. Now, if you're doing a change because you, you know, just feel like you just want to get everyone off your back, like Carrick said, I think that's a little spineless. And I know people might think I'm a hypocrite for saying that because I've changed one review before. But the difference is that, and I'm not saying they don't, but I believe that, yeah, okay, I was wrong about Fallout 4. Difference is to these people. And, and that's where I think another part of the discussion comes in. So I'm just speaking as someone, I don't know, Carrick, how many you've changed or if you've changed any. But I, I speak as someone who has changed <laughs> no. one once. <laughs> he laughs. laughs. No, I'm not laughing at anybody. No, no, I'm just, of course not. Like to me, I treat um, my reviews in a different way than a lot of people. I treat them like friends at a fire, like pit, drinking beer, talking about a game. Yeah. So to mm, me, completely. when I get done with a game, I also have never waited. I know some people who are like, I'm going to review and then like a fine wine. I'm going to sit and think about fuck you. Like that, I have no, that makes no sense to me. If uh, I want to, I, I just want, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm going to have to pay Maddie for this podcast. Like, nah. and I'm sorry. Yeah, to be honest, this probably was demonetized 30, 40, 50 minutes yeah. ago, whenever this started. Yeah, yeah, yeah I apologize. Ago. I'm going to, I'm going to send him some, I'm already paying on Patreon. I'll just yeah, up my amount. Say. Come on now. Um, but what I'm, what, what bothers me about the entire thing is just that uh, everybody has a different way of reviewing. And I mm-hmm. think that that's okay. 
I think some yeah. people like to sit, and I think some people like myself like to play the game, and then as if somebody said, what do you think? You tell them. I haven't later said, oh, I think something different, because to me, I'm just, I, I'm not putting it through a filter, I don't think, of, of, the, of, the, of this other stuff. And people can say I'm not professional, and maybe that's true, maybe that's why. But um, I think people who change review scores indicate a problem with the system, like I said before. There's a problem with whatever happened. So for Maddie, it doesn't indicate a problem with Maddie that he changed Fallout 4. It indicates a problem with he felt rushed and what, you know, what he was, his excitement, blah, blah, blah. Well, you could say some of that, I guess, was you. But yeah, if, you had two, if you had two or three people with you, there's a good chance one of them would have been like, Maddie, put your thinking cap on for a second. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? So we don't have, there's no fucking safety net. And so what I say is screw safety nets and don't worry about it. And just make the video and be very, very clear about everything you're doing. And as long as you're oh, clear, yeah. people will be The other thing fine. I want to interject, because we were talking about Jim Sterling, and it's not like I have an issue with him. But if you're doing that twice I know in you a year, you know, if, if you're doing that twice in a year, I mean, the difference is like, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep using myself as an example, just I think it fits really well. Is I made that mistake, I learned from it, I think I've fucking massively improved since then. If you're making that same mistake twice in a year... I say mistake in quotes because, you know, it's up to personal. Well, he only did it once. It was with did the Hellblade. Breath he of the Wild, you said? Breath of the Wild was Breath different. Of Wild, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. He was just honest. Okay. Yeah, okay. He gave okay. it a seven. I apologize. Yeah, 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 yeah. He I, gave I, it a seven. He gave it a seven. Uh, a lot of Nintendo fans were upset because yes. they felt, I think they wanted it to be one of the highest rated games ever. And yeah, Jim right. was the reason why it was down. And there was uproar. They wanted him yeah. to change the score. And he. Stood firm and said, "No, I'm not changing." That, that's okay, what I, I apologize. Yeah. I, I was incorrect on that. I apologize. Then. That's um, yeah. Like I, I really liked Breath of the Wild, but I, I can't imagine myself some like getting angry at someone that gives it a seven, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. and because it's going to affect the Metacritic score overall. I mean, it's yeah. such a weird thing to add to me because I, I liked it too, and thing. I'm not a big Zelda fan, but I, I actually I even say liked it. I love that game, man. But you know that I wouldn't get mad at someone for thinking otherwise. That's and this is the thing, Maddie. I mean, like you know me on this podcast, I've talked about a lot of things about Breath of the Wild that I don't like. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't care if, if Jim Sterling says a lot of the stuff that he doesn't like because there is stuff that I didn't like too. I mean, not everyone can love a game in every single possible way. I mean, like Carrick doesn't like Soma or Brothers in Arms. Like, sorry, I brought Tale of Two Brothers or whatever it's called. Right. But I really yeah, like yeah. those games. Right. So like yeah. it's. It's different people. Like, we're different you know, people. We, I just did a video on this where I basically discuss ego in, in comparison to your opinion and how people need to step away from their ego and just go, okay, this is my opinion. I'm not, it's not going to deball me. I don't need to count testicles. And in some way, they're connected to what my opinion is. It doesn't matter. And so what happens is somebody is mad because somebody else, their opinion doesn't match with them. The problem solely exists with that person. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't it exist it with loans. It's like when when people play a game, they're like, "Oh, I really like this. I need to check the internet to validate my opinion." Oh, everyone yeah. else likes it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think we're all. Do you know what I say? One I say no. I say I say. No, and I agree. Why would I I've go online? I'm playing the game. But why? I mean, I remember I'm when playing... I was in high school. I check. I like sometimes because you know I was still. I'd say that's when I kind of started hitting my stride as a gamer and like getting involved in the community. So I'd play a game, and be like, "This is amazing," and see what people think. The difference Great is question. I didn't react like fuck you if you thought differently. <laughs> I yeah. think the I think I am by far the oldest and I didn't have the internet when I was a kid. I couldn't check mm-hmm. other people's opinions. So I think that might be why I'm like who gives a shit? I don't care yeah. at all. 
So also I think that, that's you, man. <laughs> you own your well, the, your opinion. Well, no, but I'm saying from my age, that might be why is yeah, because it, it was it the definitely, only one I had. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Just, you had a, no, a magazine that came in the mail like three or, months later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that game, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was <laughs> but you know, you're right. I mean, I, I like. I'll be honest. I've been guilty of that. I mean, when I really like the first fucking Mortal Kombat movie and mostly everyone else hates it. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck awesome. are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Johnny Cage, man. Validate my movie. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's, I, yeah, okay. I mean, I can, I can get where you're coming from because like, I guess it's a totally different scenario, but when, and we'll get into this in a little bit, when LA Noir announced a, a re-release and whatnot, I was like, even this game, but not KOTOR. And, there, you know, there's a bunch of people come in and, like, yo, I'm with you, man. Like, this is awful. It's like, yes, validate me. Like, this is so <laughs> shitty. Thank you. <laughs> so You know what's weird? You know, that type of stuff I get. Uh, Maddie and I have disagreed, um, you know, because we get a lot of the same games. We agreed on ReCore. I'm trying to think of one we've disagreed on, but we, I'm sure we have. It's funny to me that I can't remember the points that – and I've watched his videos. I can't remember the points that we disagreed on because to me, it was just a person not experiencing or enjoying the same thing I did. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what's weird is I've had folks on my channel say, well, did you see that Maddie did or didn't like what you did or didn't like, like the opposite. And yeah. I've always been really surprised by it. Just going like, uh, I don't agree with my own family members and I <laughs> like them. I don't even yeah. like Maddie. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a wow. weird situation, man. It's a, it, I mean, it's, it's odd. Like I know this has been a very long topic, but oh, it's like you can't explain, for instance, two twins that grow up in the exact same scenario, yeah. same family, same environment, and they like completely different things and yeah. they're completely yeah. different people. How do you expect complete strangers on the internet to conclusively like the same thing all the time? It oh, doesn't God. happen like that. Internet era, man. <sighs> this has been this has been fun. I just want to say once again, I really do apologize. I'm fiery. I had this discussion prior <laughs> to this podcast. I, I've been dropping like, the F-bomb, too. I'm like a canker sore just with legs, and I'm just <laughs> angry, and I, I want to talk. I'm so mad about some of this stuff today for some reason. I just I, need I to love, go. I love the videos on the internet where they're shorter, and people actually do edit in the bleeps, and then you'll have the person talking, yeah. make jokes about how <laughs> you're going to have fun editing this shit. Mm -hmm. Fuck shit balls, and they have to bleep it. <laughs> I love yeah, it. If I tried I to sit it. down and edit these, and oh god, that's why I said, that'd be here all day. Audio, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. audio track, boom, <laughs> fuck the yeah, exactly, and it would just be all of us going. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say we just. <laughs> I might as well upload a silent video if that's the case. That'll probably get demonetized too. No shit. Yeah. Uh, we can we can talk about that, but yeah, anyway, yeah let's talk about La Noir now. So this game is being re-released on the Xbox One, PS4, uh, Nintendo Switch. Character, did you say something about? Uh, VR as well. VR. That's VR, yeah. I missed Six that. Six friggin' VR cases are being redone so you can play them with your HTC Vive. And I. That's excellent. John, John you know, Noble and I are going to be eye to eye. I find that interesting, <laughs> though, because Take Two CEO Strauss Zelnick just said about a couple months ago, maybe it was a little further, he said, We have no interest in making VR games. And here we are, <laughs> LA Noir come. Then again, he's been proven that in the past. So, right. Yeah. He's, yeah. You're, no, you're right. Money and, talks. Yeah, I really want to hear. Uh, I want to hear Legacy's thought on this. You're, you know, you're the the rock star guy. You're the take two guy on your channel mostly. So I'm yeah. really curious to see what your approach to this is. I'm excited about this. This I love Ellie Noir. I feel like it was a game that not enough people appreciated. But when I uh, started to talk about this on Twitter, 
Ooh, the uproar. I think the Red Dead community right now is pissed with how Rockstar's marketing, just like how the Grand Theft Auto community was pissed with how Rockstar marketed the Grand Theft Auto V. Because these long um, droughts of information, it gets ridiculous. Rockstar promised in, I think it was May when they delayed the game, we're going to get summer news for Red Dead Redemption 2. So when we see Grand Theft Auto Online DLC, LA Noir, people are getting pissed. They're like, where's the Red Dead news? And I get it's a strategy, but... That's the main thing I've been seeing. A lot of people are angry about it. Personally, myself, I'm excited. I love Ellie Noir. I I think it's a game that was way ahead of its time. It's unfortunate what happened to Team Bondi, but um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 everybody like, should be excited. About, I was about, about, about this. to say that. Oh, it's it's an Australian-made game, but that the, what happened to with Team Bondi, man? Fuck, we'd be here all yeah. day talking about that. Yeah. Uh, also, we got to remember Rockstar's got like 88 fucking development teams. So just because you're working on L.A. Noir doesn't stop you from working on Red Dead. Uh, and that's okay. the kind of shit well, that just fucking pisses me off. And yeah. now Lone's going to mention Mafia and and uh, what was Hanger. that? Hangar 13. Yeah. We, we <laughs> could be here all day talking about it. Look, I get so annoyed when people on the internet that are like, why the fuck are you making this game and you're not making this game? And you're just like, there's not just one person at Rockstar called Mr. Rockstar that creates all their games. It doesn't people believe happen that. Like people that. believe that. That's mm. exactly what people believe. Rockstar North is Grand Theft Auto Online. And they, as far as I've heard from many insiders, they only have a small little team on that. And then they have Rockstar Toronto, Rockstar San Diego, Rockstar San Diego, obviously Red Dead Redemption 2. Rockstar Toronto has been a little too quiet as of late. We haven't heard anything from them. That's a huge studio. Rockstar New England's been quiet. Rockstar Lincoln's been quiet. Over. Rockstar Leeds been quiet. Everywhere. And then some of the other... Every all their studios, I know some of these studios work on some of the other smaller things like Rockstar India is just on the engine and Lincoln, yeah. I think, is quality assurance. But when you have all these studios being quiet, something's gotta come. And people are just like, Oh, they're just gonna do Grand Theft Auto. Now I think they have plans and LA Noir is a good sign that they have more coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also probably a good experiment. I mean, like Karak was mentioning earlier with Resident Evil 7, you, you repackage everything else. I'm sure it's not as simple because you're bringing it from 360 PS3 to modern consoles, but I'm sure it's not too strenuous for game developers. But they're probably, you know, Strauss, whatever his name is. I apologize. I forgot. Um, yeah, he says, we're not doing VR like Eric said. He's a liar. But number two is that they're probably experimenting. Let's see how this does. Let's see if we can make some money in the VR market. I mean... Take two likes their money. Well, <laughs> LA Noir just in a whole. LA Noir people, like I said, didn't get appreciated enough. And mm-hmm. if people, I'd say, if people support these games, Rockstar will continue these franchises. That's yeah. why Bully never got a sequel. I mean, it was in development years ago, but it it seems to have got canceled. Same thing with Agent. We can thank Grand Theft Auto Online for that, but at the end of the day, the game just didn't sell. It sold the know, original game and... sold 1.5 million copies, and I don't know me. how Scholarship Edition did, but. And the legacy, I'm games. right there with you with um with Midnight Club. Like fuck, I wanted I want another Midnight Club, and we're probably mm-hmm. never gonna get another Midnight Club because they're just busy with like a lot of the studios busy with GTA and now Red Dead. Also, racing um, games. We've talked about how they kind of fell off. Well, in 2010, <laughs> there was a report. I actually talked about this just the other day about Midnight Club. Was that Oof. Rockstar San Diego? The team wanted just the main attention on Red Dead Redemption, and that's when they started firing and. The team that was mainly behind Midnight Club was like a small team inside of Rockstar San ah. Diego. And they ended up quitting or either getting fired because they didn't want to work on Red Dead Redemption. And I guess, wow. again, money talks. It just worked. Wow. They wanted um, the attention. 
on on the remake for a second, one of the things I'm really excited about, I, I wasn't joking about being face-to-face with, with John Noble, who's in it, uh, but all those actors. But the fact oh, is, is that for a long cast. time, they tried to pretend that that technology couldn't be um, updated. A lot of people knew it could, but they were like, oh, no, we can't you know, make this look any better. They've already said now it'll be 4K. We're going to see some some improvements there. The H, the Vive stuff will be fully changes to the engine, which is going to be really exciting. I think one of the things that everybody forgets is that 1.5 million sales for Bully, for example, is a complete smashing success for somebody else. One of the yeah, problems yeah. that's happening right Great. now that's is true. that Rockstar is so flush with Scrooge McDuck levels of money that they simply don't see anything like we do. They, their, their, their level too. of success is beyond. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Valve. I mean, let's be well, honest. Well, that's my that's point. For Gabe's it's, wheelchair, but well, it's a comparison. It, like, sorry for interrupting, but no, go Grand Theft Auto Five has sold 80 million copies. Red Dead Redemption sold 15. It's going to sell probably 20 to 30. Uh, and then if you look at these lower tier uh, Rockstar titles, EA CEO or CFO, I forget what his name was, years ago said that these lower tier games are nothing. You know, they don't sell. Rockstar's just trying to make money now. They're up there. They're they're one of the bigger uh, publishers, and uh, just I'll take two is obviously dominating right now. There, I think I've seen that their stock has flown up in the last uh, couple months. It just really because. has, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah uh, that's that's one of the problems with success is that the the level of of like care and and remember this is a company that basically said, hey, we're grifting you for as much money as humanly possible. We feel like we're not grifting you for as much money as humanly possible. So we're going to microtransaction everything. So do you know what I, one of the I'm issues really is? I'm really nervous about that, actually. I mean, the, the other day, Review Tech USA made a video about this, and it's it's hard to disagree with him. It's he was talking about how just AAA video games are becoming so expensive to make and, and market. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes just for the marketing, like we saw with Destiny. I mean, what Destiny yeah. One had. $500 million just on marketing and then another $500 million on developing the game. I could be wrong on those numbers, but I think it was more it like say, 200. I think that I, okay, uh, so I apologize. Yeah. So, but, but regardless, I mean, games are, t- you know, they require hundreds of millions of dollars collectively to market and develop and all that kind of stuff. And because of that, you, like developers, and I'm not saying this is the widespread thing and this is exactly why we have microtransactions, but you know, those additional forms of income could be necessary if you look at the finances to actually make a profit and to, and to make a return on a game that's that's made you know that's costed so much to actually develop. Well, and, you and that's right the there. problem. You hit well, it right and, there. And the thing, I mean, like, what was its name? With um, it was Tomb Raider. Uh, the the publisher or the developer behind that said it was Konami. I think it was Konami, right? I can't remember. Um, someone said Tomb Raider didn't sell enough for them, and Square people Enix. like. Square Enix, sorry, you're right, I apologize. And they sold Hitman and said it didn't sell enough, too. (laughs) And and people were saying, how the fuck did that not sell enough? It sold like four, five, six, however many many million copies. But from their perspective, they're like, yeah, but look at the margin that we made on this game. Compare it to other games that we make, it Mm -hmm. it was nothing. Capcom's the same way. Capcom, whoever, whatever person does finances at Capcom literally doesn't know or is using base 10 or some other kind of mathematical form like theorem because when you oh, find out what they expect to sell you'll, you'll just be like who in the fuck in your entire business thought you would sell that much and yeah. capcom their belief is just much higher than what they're selling and we see that with a lot of these companies how well they do it we we see it well i mean it's it, to me it's hot girlfriend syndrome you had a hot girlfriend you compare everyone that's coming in 
to that That's one you had. Great Holy analogy. Shit. Not to be wow. rude, but that is what. Come on, that is what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that is so really true. what's happening. And so, yeah. what? What? Here's one of the reasons oh, why fuck. I always say I wish new CFOs and new CEOs came into businesses because they bring fresh ideas. Which not only is new IPs, but looking back at old ones, and I I want to see more of that. That's why I'm like I'm stoked if some of these new people get into some of these higher positions. Go, you know what? Bully, okay, 1.5 million. That's not the greatest, but that was back in the day when there were these other titles that were in comparison with it. And now we have a spot where that could really work. Let's mm-hmm. try it. And. That's, well, that's why I think I, it will come back. That's why I think that's a franchise right. that will come back. It's just that's why Rockstar has such a great, um, such great titles under their belt. You know, you don't see there's not many Western games or at least any Western open worlds like Red Dead. Bullies, uh, something very unique. The thing is, Rockstar's just experimented so much over the years. That's why we only have Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto right now. That's why we haven't seen a new Midnight. That's why we haven't seen another Max Payne. And L.A. Noir is an oh, experimental game for sure to see how VR Absolutely. will do. And obviously to see how it can do on the Switch. Because years ago, Grand Theft Auto, I think it was Chinatown Wars, did horrific yeah. on uh, the Wii. And Rockstar said, nope, we're done with this. And... This is an experiment to see how Nintendo's market will do. This is a, this is an experiment to see how VR will do, and this is an experiment to see how LA Noir will do, and that will decide the it's future a, of this franchise and a lot of other factors. It's an excellent yeah. game to select for many reasons. I mean, you think of it this way: number one, it's been long enough uh, for for the standards of how many games get re-released. It's definitely been long enough for la noir to come back number two like you said it's a game that was widely underappreciated where a lot of people even nintendo fans could come in and say huh i want to try this i want to play this on the go or on the handheld mode in my bed or whatever the fuck you're doing so i think yeah i think it's the right game to do it for we're like another version of i can't imagine the switch doing but another version of like gta 5 or something like that i don't know how well that would work when we already have vastly superior versions on all the other consoles so i think la noir is the the right game to bring to the switch can, can I, can I say, I'll... though, I need to say one thing that does annoy me. I mean, look, I, I get why they're remastering it, they're releasing it, it's great. But what they need to do is make sure L.A. Noir works on Windows PCs, because it doesn't. Yeah, no shit. It doesn't. It doesn't. That, it, That's actually I bought what that I was game, just gonna and it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, go talk it... about it, Kerry. You no, know, I mean, you're, yeah, that's what I was actually just going to bring up. Same thing is that uh, it is weird that the remaster's coming and they haven't figured out how to get it actually to work well on windows right now and um i had to do a walking the walk uh technical development video for it about a year ago and getting footage was incredibly difficult because i had to find a pc it would work on it's it's got actual real issues does it so even you, work at you, all alone on no, 10 like you, you i was using trying open it no I, I was using windows it was windows 8.1 was what i used mm-hmm. to have and now windows 10 you try and open it and it will get the loading screen and it's either an infinite loading screen or it tries to go to it and it crashes like so uh, here's here's the issue i mean especially i had a few rock star people i didn't realize were following me and so i had talked about a rumor i had heard about htc and Rockstar on a podcast a couple months ago and then the news got announced so this morning mm-hmm. or yesterday i was like aha you know we talked and one of them said oh guys he knows he knows like he's on to us or something like that and i was like that's funny because that's the same sort of rumor area I got that indicated that L.A. Noir was the one being remade because it is not a full open world game and it can work yeah. on the Switch. Yeah. yeah. And you look at GTA 5, I'm sorry, it's too big. Its memory footprint is massive. Oh, yeah. It's it, But L.A. Noir looks open world, but 
really? It's very, it's very light. It's mafia, yeah. too. It's, it, it's it, just a play space. Well, even with from the mission to mission. Even with the memory, though, I think it's getting charged an extra $10 to the Switch because of one of those reasons, because they have to optimize the memory or something like that because the Switch is so small in storage. Hmm. I'm not sure exactly how, how that... How much uh, is it? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about GPU memory. It has nothing to do with storage. Well, I'm talking about the other part, too. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking about the other part, too, but... Um, I just find that interesting that Nintendo's going to run into a huge problem. I think, what was that? That was a story a couple of days ago, too, with Nintendo. That it was a I think story, it's going to yeah. cost $400 or something like that for a 256-gigabyte uh, card for it. I, it's... Jesus. That's, that's you, know, you know what the problem is? is like, I think the story that you were talking about is how games like NBA are coming out that are saying on the box, you need to buy an SD card. And the problem is, is that, yes, you can buy a 128-gigabyte SDXC card for, I think it's over $100 or something like that in Australia. But the problem is, is that even though you can get up to two terabytes in those SD cards, one, those levels of memory aren't even being manufactured yet. And two, the ones that are like 500 gigabytes are so, like they cost more than the Switch itself. Exactly. So it's, it's, That's the issue. it's one of those things where like, I love the concept of the Switch, but because it's a handheld first, I, it's a handheld first, those ty- kinds of memory are so expensive and it's going to, I think it's going to affect the, the Switch moving forward in terms of the games that it can get. I mean, it might mean that we get a, a, an L.A. Noir. That's great. But it might mean we don't get a GTA, which is unfortunate. Never we never will. But, exactly. I mean, that goes back to exactly what Maddie said. L.A. Noir is a perfect game to try it out and see how it works. But anything more than that, there's no way. It's how not much, possible. You said there's going to be a price hike for it. How much does it cost? It's about ten. It's about ten dollars. Uh, I saw a couple uh, insiders talking about that too. I think. I don't know if you guys are who know who Daniel Amad is. He was talking about in depth about yeah, yeah. what it was, and it made sense. It makes sense why it's being charged a little extra because uh, there has to be some optimization made for the Switch unit or the Switch uh, okay. version. So, but yeah. what I'm asking is like, okay, it's getting a ten dollar hike from what? Sorry, I should have been. It's more forty. It's forty dollars uh, okay. U.S. United okay. States. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, what? There, that makes no sense from even a technological standpoint. They're they're trying to say that because it requires optimization, it, it you're are, are we if, if it requires like a that. different. But what I mean, every single game in the world that's ported requires optimization. No, are they saying though that the development costs to get it to PS4 and Xbox One were less than it requires to get it to the Switch, and that justifies the ten dollar increase? I don't I don't know. I'm asking. No, I'm just saying. I'll have to if, check it. Yeah, could you please? Because that's really because if you mm-hmm. look at how technology and development is done, that has not ever been done before. If that's what we start seeing <laughs> on Switch, Switch is in for some deep shit, because that would be the Wii never saw that, and the Wii had horrendous problems. The I mean, so even the GameCube didn't have that. So that but kind I, of I mean, stuff. But like th- this is a new for the Switch as well. I, look, I'm not agreeing. I'm just bringing up another thing that happened with sure, the Switch. Sure, sure, sure. Is what happened with um just cartridges on the Switch costing more because the That's cartridges what I was cost more right. to manufacture. Yeah. That's and, what and, I was asking. And, and the problem is, is when the physical product product costs more, then even if it's digital, you know, they, they don't want to upset retailers. So the digital version is going to be set at a similar price too as the increased cartridge version. So I, I agree. I think that they must be talking about exactly that, that the car, that the chip it's coming on will be, you know, either bigger or something there will be changed. Because isn't it also Nintendo who tried to say that the reason why their games cost a certain amount is because the, because it's a, a card versus a CD? 
Didn't they say there's a? I, I, I don't know if Nintendo some... said that. I think there were stories about why that was the reason. It Legacy, was a certain game that data? was increased. Yeah, Legacy. Did you find any data? Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at what Daniel had to say. Give me one second. You guys can keep talking. Cool. I'll find it in a minute. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd be interested because, I mean, just knowing developers, I've never heard a developer say, you know, like for example, PS3 on Bethesda cost much, 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 much more. Much to more put to develop Skyrim on on a PS3, and they oh, didn't say. Oh God! I forgot about bucks. the Skyrim breaking. That's, Holy that's shit. a great. Point. Uh, here's here's what he had to say. I'm going to read down. Here's a line of tweets. Thanks. So the okay. publisher doesn't see all $60 of a game sale. There's a tr- retailer cut, cost of the disc cart, platform fees, packaging, blah, blah, blah. So companies like Nintendo, Sony, and Mar- Microsoft charge a certain amount for the disc cart, a platforming fee, packaging fees. What? Uh, okay, he's talking about his first. He said that saying that the cart cost plus platform fee plus packaging cost is 60% more with a 32 gigabyte cart than, the, yeah. than with a 50 gigabyte Blu-ray. These costs actually yeah, add up they, a lot. I think you guys get where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he it says, is, "It is what we thought." Then yeah. it's it's the medium, it's the storage medium. Yeah. He's right. It's crazy, isn't it? Like that, and it's sad That's because bad. if it is, uh, you know, because it's also the weaker system. It's like you. Yeah, you got. <laughs> you know what's funny? Except portability. You, you know what's really funny? Thanks. Like they had for finding that. Like, and I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that they should have done this, but. If they had set the PS4, Xbox One price at the same price as the Switch, as in like not decrease the Switch price, but ex- increase the PS4, Xbox One price to fifty dollars, no one would say shit. No one would complain, even though the PS4 players and Xbox One players actually would be paying more. It's mm. so so. It's funny how this is only complained about because of the actual price disparities that you can see. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's a good or bad thing. I just I just laugh at it. Yeah. So it's interesting, man. Hopefully it comes out smoothly. I mean, it's it, in the on the bright side of things. It's good to see that you know this is a game that's not like it's coming to Switch six months after launch. It's coming on launch day with the the other versions. At least mm. I am correct on that, right? Yeah, November fourteenth. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's I'll good definitely then. be playing it. That's good then. Man. Uh, At least that. Something I'm excited for. Legacy is it Switch same day? Yeah, uh, it should be. Yeah, I believe it's all it's all uh, VR two. I think yeah, HTC. I mean, yeah. <laughs> If that yeah. fucking November October period wasn't busy enough, now we also have <laughs> yeah. That. When I saw that, I was like, I, I really want to replay yeah. this. But... Another new game, another game. Fuck another, you. Another game. <laughs> I'm excited. You know what though? It's a it's the greatest problem in the world to have. Greatest right? problem to have, absolutely. Unless you're a reviewer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Carrick speaks more than I do on that, but I mean, just shit for me. I'm just, I just look at it all. I'm like, how much am I going to sleep? <laughs> You're gonna have to to not review a couple of games, methinks. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. Like we miss so many people. Always yeah. think it's like, oh, you guys got all the, you know, got tons of games. It's like you have no, no yeah. clue. No fucking. Well, every day there's you a might new game coming out. Four hundred, yeah. my friend. Four hundred plus games, if you include indies, uh, come out every day. Is that yeah, in mobile but... games as well, or it's just yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's. But if you look at AAA gaming, there's game usually a couple titles coming out anyway, so it's yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's, yeah, fun times. All right. Rainbow Six Siege, <clears throat> an interesting situation has developed there, and a good one at that. It seems Ubisoft's in for the long haul with this game and plans to have at least 100 operators before they move on to another entry of this series. So, instant issue with this statement for me. I'm not against your post-launch support plan, but 
they release two operators like every three months. How they, are they expecting to get to a hundred unless they twenty million players, twenty million players lifetime sales or something like that? Yeah, this is a success. This is a successful title right now, and they're going to keep on going with it until it isn't. Yeah. I think Matt. Stuff. I think Maddie's just trying to figure out the math of if you're only doing a couple. Well, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And a hundred. Yeah, the last yeah. one I think released three of them. I believe. Yeah, and even then, they're at. I think how many they're at in the twenties. It's, not much. it's yeah. not much. It's. I might be exaggerating. I don't even know if they've left the teens. <laughs> I think he's whoever said that. I think he was just kind of saying that they're going to fully support the game for a long time and mm-hmm. that they have no plans to move this franchise yet. They're just concentrating on this game that's in front of them. And it kind of is ridiculous, though. 100. That's... Because well, I think of I think of Overwatch right away just because naturally that's how my brain's fucking wired. And I'm thinking, like, if that game had 100 heroes... I mean, then again, you look at Smite. That's a MOBA. I mean, they have so many gods in that game. And League of Legends. I mean, I think that's what they're... I mean, wouldn't you guys agree that they're most likely looking at those kind of games? And oh, saying, yeah, of course. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's see if we can do it in a first-person shooter. And a good one, too. It's not a bad first-person shooter nobody's playing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for them, it, it's perfect. Absolutely. Let me get the actual article up. This is in an interview uh, with brand director Alexandre Remy. Uh, we're looking at developing the game with 100 operators. I'll let you do the math and work out how many years that will take. There's no reason for us to stop there. Exactly Ooh, what he said. That's, so that's he actually specific. <laughs> yeah, he actually. Uh, I, I forgot that he actually straight up tackled. I'll let you figure out how long it's going to take based off how long we take to release them. But that's that's a long lifespan, man. I mean, if the interest is there, I guess it makes sense. But I I don't know. That seems a little much, but I guess if you like Rainbow Six Siege, good for you. You got a lot more content to come, oh. but sorry, you're talking seven more years here. Yeah, here. that's hold on. Uh, this this story develops actually. Oh, Ubisoft previously said, and this is this is specific to the Gamespot article. The original one I read did not mention this, so I apologize for leaving this out. Ubisoft previously said the minimum number of operators it wanted in Siege would be fifty after launching with twenty back in 2015 the moment that we hit 50 operators that's the minimum that we actually want so okay, they're not so, stopping till 50 so another two years three years right maybe? yeah that's yeah, still yeah. a long time for mm-hmm. hey good i guess good that's for, great yeah. also if i remember right they have built in mlaa which is the um Multiple frame anti-aliasing, which allows you to run the game at a lower resolution, but then pump it up because you use an alternate frames, which allows it to run on pretty shitty computers. So what they may what they may be doing is they may just be like, hey, we've got a game that doesn't require the best thing in the world, and we have the ability to make it look amazing as well. Why release a whole new engine just to say we've released a whole new you know, yeah. a whole new engine? It's like it it saves money to games as service, right? It's unfortunate, but. We're going to start hearing more and more about that. Yeah, but I mean, 50 minimum, they launched at 20. I guess I was way off on my number. So with DLC and everything, they got to be in the 30s. I'd mm-hmm. say. So, well, that's the thing with a lot of online games nowadays. They just want these games to keep on going as long as they yeah. can. That's oh, yeah. Grand Theft Auto Online. There's your first example. Well, one of them, at least. There's too many to count. Do, do you think they make this decision almost... I guess you could say slightly out of fear because you have a working platform now and they could go make a sequel, but will that do as well? And is there really even a point to that? So do you think they just think to themselves, we kind of were in the shitter with this game at first? Actually, it's a little exaggerative. 
but then you know they they really picked it up it's, as you listed stats earlier earlier legacy i mean it's doing insanely well where they're like why make a new game when we could just add operators to this one and cash in that was the first game i bought a season pass for too so i think that well, says a lot well also when you look at it um there was somebody who just there was a big wig and i keep thinking it's rockstar but it's not um but there was another big company where they just released like their internal discussions they were having about the future and games as a service was like in 55 different entries where it just said this is our our opinion is to move towards games as a service and i mean microsoft has stated they are fully behind that they stated it almost two years ago now because i think it was january of last year when they first started dropping games as a service so we're going to start seeing it more and more and you stick around you know and and make the game playable for a ton of people also, I think it's cool. Wait, wait I to mean, verify, let's be honest. what do you mean by games as a service? I'm thinking one oh, thing. Oh, games as a service means exactly what Siege is doing. Instead of doing a sequel, the game as okay. a service Phil continues. Phil Spencer said yeah, that. Phil so. Spencer said so that. Yeah. Like Xbox left. Game Pass and stuff. Like, I love that and so, service, but okay. Oh, so do I. When you look at games as a service, one of the things that does make sense, and I'm going to be honest, I think we all have probably bitched about this, when a game's support does go away and you're still playing it. Like, yeah. that sucks. When you're playing an online game and you go in and, like, they've moved on to the sequel, mm-hmm. Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. Go play Destiny 1 and see who's there. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, like, the, the idea of, of something that lasts forever means Maddie and I can review it. And then two, three, four years later, go back and go, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's still being supported. That's cool in a way. Really it's cool. I see the negatives, but it's also cool. I agree. Because that's what I dropped Siege, like I said, around Overwatch. Because I just I mm-hmm. think it's a superior game, but if they keep mm-hmm. supporting it and they get to fifty operators, I would love to go back to Siege and I'd be hooked again. I know that, so I'm I'm playing the safe game right now. I'll just wait till they have enough content where it's basically a new game for me. I haven't heard from Lone. Lone, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, I'm here. Okay, Never mind. So I have a question for you because I know these aren't necessarily your big game, but yeah. does it? Is there even a slightly more interest? for a game as a service where you know it's going to be around a while and that it's been vested and balanced because people have been playing it for this many years for you to jump into something unique versus like the sequel to something like this is number one we know number two is coming out in two years so when you hear about siege and they're adding all this stuff does it ever trigger in you hey you know what maybe i'll maybe i'll jump in you know or what? does it do nothing? Probably not. No, I think it actually does nothing. I, look, I, I'm, and this is not discounting how great it must feel that for oh, people sure. that play the game, you know, and that are being supported. But I think, unless it's in a rare, it's a rare circumstance, if I haven't played a game like that or like Destiny One for a year, I just I can't see there being much that's going to make me jump back into the game because I just, I'm just disconnected. There are too much, too many other games to play. Like, right. why, why jump back into it, you know? So, like, I, 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 I appreciate that they're doing it for the players and that the players are probably loving the shit out of this, but is it going to make... like? And this is just me, personally. Obviously, it might be different for someone else, but for me, I wouldn't... Like, I'm not going to jump into it at all. Interesting. Makes sense. All right, then. Let's shift over to our next topic. We're going to be talking about Bethesda for the remainder of this podcast. <laughs> Number Something. one. Bethesda teases a new game announcement coming this year. So in an interview with Tech Syndicate, Pete Hines was talking about paid mods and stuff, and then he asked him about stuff they're doing this year and later on, and P. 
he goes on to list everything that's coming out this year, and he says, we also have one more game that we have not announced this year. And when he was asked about it, saying, is it a new IP? What is it? You know, Pete obviously kept his mouth shut. Now, I actually accidentally played a part in the development of this because I said, okay, I'm just going to put this video clip on Twitter, give credit to the creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, get my audience's opinion on it because I just, that's the type of creator I am. I like to hear what everyone else is saying too. And so I put it out there and out of all people, Pete Hines responds to it. I'm like, what the What fuck? do you say? Yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Because like, he doesn't follow me. So I was thinking to myself, why is he, how do he just directly respond to me? So He follows you He knew it. He knew Matty would. Yeah, he, yep. he probably saw it on Bethesda's official one who actually does follow me. And he responds and says, actually, let me grab it, because it's really funny if I get the exact words of what he said. Lone, I'm surprised you didn't see this. You must have missed this. No, here it is. Here it is. Uh, I've got it here. Um, I probably just had a concussion from the beating I took online and was rambling. Ignore. Yeah. Which I found hilarious, because he's clearly talking about Creation Club there. Of course he's talking about Creation Club. The people who, when I tweeted that, and I was just like, what do you guys think? They're like, oh, it's a Bethesda game studio, Starfield. And I'm like, look, no. And I'll get into that in a second. But um, for starters, you know, people instantly saying what it could be the second they saw Pete's tweet, which is a joke, were backtracking and saying right away, look, no, that's it's nothing. Um, now, number one, this well, man did you is... see his response? Did you see his response to somebody else saying that? What? What did he say? Um, he, so there was an article by PC Gamer that said P, uh, Bethesda. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lone responded to this one. Somebody I said, did. Kyle <laughs> Rebel wrote, nope, nope, nope. Uh, Uncle Pete said he misspoke. And then he responded saying, or I was joking. Question is, which time? Mm. <laughs> He's such a shit stir. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. He, that's and, Okay, that plays more into exactly what I was getting into, which is, yeah, uh-huh. he's human. He likes to mess with his is following he's done it before whether he's telling someone off or joking with them he's that type of guy and what i was getting at was he's been doing this for 20 years he knows what kind of company bethesda is he knows what happens when he says they're even thinking about making a new game let alone saying we're announcing one this year okay he knew what he knew what he was getting into and so he's not going to say that and when he makes a joke about it that's he knows that people are expecting an announcement now and he wouldn't have said that unless there actually was going to be one. And um, to be honest, what he said, it didn't seem like a slip of the tongue. Like, it was, it was pretty not. clear when you watched that video, what yeah. he said. It's not like he said, oh, and we have something else coming out this year that could just be like a DLC for fucking Prey or something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he pretty conclusively said what he said. Yeah, he said it's a new game, and we're announcing it this year. Like, and it, it, there was, and not to overanalyze the clip, but there was like a pause in between. Like, he thought about it, and he was like, fuck it you know and he said it and so we also know bethesda relies on that element of surprise heavily (laughs) so heavily so we know that he wouldn't pre-announce an announcement if number one if it was something big but number two if it was also and by something big i mean like a bethesda game studios title but he also wouldn't pre-announce it once again unless something was happening now i want to get your thoughts on what you guys think it could be now that we've really narrowed down it it likely is something it's okay. What were those stories going around the other day about Fallout Four coming to the Switch? Is that a possibility that it could be that? It could be that. Um, because like, here's the thing: if it's something big, then why the hell would you not announce it at E3 when you had such exactly. a average, average showing there? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that that's crazy to me. And look, and I'm saying that that's why I don't think it is anything big or uh, you know, like a new IP. Because if there was, that's that would have been the place to announce it. 
because Bethesda needed that content to show. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's anything massive. I don't think it's Starfield. I think it's something small like a Fallout 4 coming to the Switch, which isn't small, but it's not new. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's... I, I made a video about this. It's dropping tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday, so by the time it's on YouTube, you've probably already seen it. But um, what I, I said was that, yeah, I think people are just struggling to accept that Bethesda's E3 2017 conference was as bad as it was. So there were so many videos of people like... Is it Starfield articles? Is it Starfield? And I'm like, look, oh, yeah. we got to look at this. Once again, gaming is a business as much as we don't want to admit it. If it is Bethesda Game Studios, there's so much money to be made. And not only that, but it comes into retailers, okay? They need to know about a game coming out that year. Not two months in advance, you know, two months in advance. Like, they need to know well in advance to stock the store, to prepare shipments, as well as promote the, the game itself. Make it a part of deals. You know, we've seen, for example, GameStop have their own form of a, a limited edition compared to a um, Best Buy, Walmart, whatever. These things are important. And, and mind you, those other limited editions are, are separate on those other retailers. So there's so much that goes into the retail aspect that Bethesda could not announce a game. Let's say it's even tomorrow. They could not announce this game tomorrow, and it would be Bethesda Game Studios title, and it's coming out in end of October. That would that would be silly of them because they know there's so much money to be made and feel free to correct me on the retailer aspect but i believe i'm i'm right on that where they they just simply could not do it without this preparation they'd have to let them know and i know some people back it up with saying like todd howard's come out and said like i I just want to shrink down that moment between announcement and release as much as possible and i get that but i think that's todd the developer then there is the publishing side of things which is like okay that's great. Here's what we need to do to sell the most and make the most. Well, especially if this is a new IP. I mean, if this is a new IP, I don't think Bethesda would. It has to be something small. I mean, it can't be anything huge. It wouldn't. I'd be shocked if it was Starfield. And I know I've seen a lot of videos, a lot of articles saying this is Starfield. Here it comes. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think no, so. I mean, yeah. even though there's that weird E3 situation, which I still don't understand why all those stars were there yeah, as some. <laughs> It it doesn't make any sense, and there's some uh, insiders that said Starfield was supposed to be there, so I have no idea. That goes back to the same thing with Red Dead at E3 2016, where there was all those rumors that it was supposed to be there, too. I don't know what exactly happens right behind the scenes, necessarily, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if Starfield was intended to come this year. It certainly was awkward that E3 had all those stars and nothing came of it, and it being announced right now would be a little weird. I, I don't know. It it just doesn't make much sense to me. I think it's a mobile game, something real small, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Carrick, what do you think I mean, it is? Oh, yeah. sorry. Cut you off, Lone. No, no, go ahead, Carrick. Yeah. No, go ahead, Lone. What were you saying? Because I was going to say that, you know, before, when those Starfield rumors were coming out, like, I, I so wanted to make a video and said that, like, this is not going to be revealed at E3. It's too fucking soon, guys. It It's way too soon. But this is the problem where, you know, there's one trademark uh, you know, registered, and then everyone speculates, and everyone gets excited. Um, this is a different situation, though, when Pete Hines has actually said something that's fueled the fire. But again, like, just just think it through. Why would they do this over an interview with someone like not like the biggest YouTuber in the world, as opposed to doing this at E3? It it does not make mm-hmm. sense for this to be Starfield. And as Maddie was saying before, I wanted to touch on it. Like, 
they Bethesda had to tell so many retailers about Fallout 4. It was amazing that thing was kept under wraps for so long because of the amount of people that have to know about it. So when the game is announced, like you'll have EB Games in Australia, GameStop in in America, EB Games in Canada, everyone, bam, Fallout 4 ready to pre-order. Here's the the disc, here's the the, the box art, all that kind of stuff. It just that's just you know it's not going to happen for Starfield. You know from a tweet, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. No, yeah, I, I, I disagree with Lone on the E3 aspect because I thought there was substantial evidence. I see where he was coming from. but Well, there me, was I... also some insiders saying stuff. Not mm-hmm. that uh, that whole 4chan situation. Tidex, you which... mean, oh, you, you mean like was... Fallout and Elder Scrolls are going to be in the same universe? <laughs> no, not that yeah, one. That... Yeah, not that one. Oh, okay. right. Well, no, that's Sorry. why I said not, not yeah, even talk about that. But I'm talking about the Tidex. Tidex said it was supposed to be there. But then again, Tidex has been wrong in the past. So mm-hmm. Also, know. he it... might have been right in Planes Change. Though that's exactly the point. He said Red Dead was well. He said Red Dead was supposed to be at the PlayStation meeting last year, which obviously it wasn't. So I, I, I'm, I'm always confused because, as far as I understand, things change in the moment. So that's why I always say, with if I end up covering rumors like those, I I clarify whether it's the title, description, and I always say in the video, I'm just like, take it with a grain of salt. Don't don't overhype it for yourself, man, because you'll just lead to disappointment. If it's real, well, then you'll just be all the more excited, which is what you look want. Look what happened with the Game of Thrones thing. Like everyone was like, "There's no like, how can this be a mistake?" It says, "Elder mm-hmm. like sorry, Bethesda Game of Thrones on Target's website," and then you find out that there's also another listing for Rockstar Game of Thrones. <laughs> Sometimes it can just be a mistake. Too. Well, the hoaxes are just crazy nowadays. Yeah, I it's, mean that's a uh, wild one. That one surprised it, me. That goes with Midnight Club. There was a fake hoax that just came a few months ago. Somebody worked and made a whole screen, a whole everything of it, and they, I guess, grabbed a bunch of models off of a car website, which they were rendered into what I don't know what it was, but it was ridiculous. The whole situation it got my hopes up too. I was like, "This is this is it. We're getting a new this one." Looks legit. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, yeah, because then, then you watch your video like two days later. You're like, "You fucking idiot! Why did you believe? You've that? been through this yeah. with the Survivor. That's well, why. Uh, that's why with the with the Game of Thrones one, I was like, "All right, this is exciting. I'm hyped too. But like, let's just let's just well, wait and see." I made a Game of Thrones video, not even on that subject, a day before, and then that news came. I don't know if somebody watched, and they're like, hey, let's, let's do something stupid. Oh, and, then, God. <laughs> and that's why I thought it was awkward. And then I had to clarify in the comments. So I was like, oh, this is... Oh, I was like, good before. timing. And then, then I had to backtrack on times, that. And then, and then just people were like, you, you were a part of this. You knew. It's like, nope. <laughs> Same yeah. thing with the Quake Champions thing. I was like, imagine if they did like a crossover shooter. And it makes more sense now, because I did some research, and they kind of share universes, Doom, Quake, and Wolfenstein, and all of them. And I was like, imagine if they, they do that and they cross them over and then at E3 they, they say, you know, BJ Blaskovich joins the fight in Quake and people were like, Maddie, how the fuck did you know? It's like, dude, didn't know. <laughs> it was just a lucky time. <laughs> I uploaded the video the day before. <laughs> Silly stuff. Anyway, Car- oh yeah, Carrick, what were you going to say? What did you think this might be? Um, if anything. Well, <clears throat> so Microsoft, a couple publisher slash developers are big enough to do quick releases. Um, but I would agree with you on the whole that most of the time they don't. But Microsoft has actually done it a couple times. And Bethesda's tried to shorten up their announcement time. Um, so I, I think that the problem with Bethesda is they fucked themselves over with the Starfield at E3. That that was obvious. You know, I mean, you don't just randomly put them in there. And then put it at the under construction. Like there was too many things there indicating. And also the word I got from the same person who leaked to me like a year and a half prior about Far Cry Primal being real was that it was supposed to be there. So I, I'll take that person's, you know, 
reaction as, as well. being as being real and that plans changed. One of the great videos, if anybody gets a chance and really wants to hear the behind the scenes that can happen, there's two particular videos, but the best one's probably Jack Trenton with Ryan McCafferty on IGN in, inside. And and Jack talks about him apologizing for the hack of Sony and Sony not wanting him to and all of this crazy shit that happens behind the scenes at E3. For example, that, he didn't know if he was going to get fired. He was just like, you know what? I have to apologize to the to the fans who got hacked when PSN got hacked, and we haven't apologized yet. So he walked out there and he apologized, and that was completely unscripted. So those kind of unscripted things do happen. Call of Duty, we all know the Call of Duty story where somebody was pretending to be playing, and they actually weren't, mm-hmm. and it was recorded, and then their controller went out, and it just kept playing, and everybody's like, oh, come on. So yep. we, we know that those kind of things happen all the time and change all the time. I don't think it's Starfield um, only because we haven't got – we really it, – it, it almost feels like uh, what Legacy was saying where did somebody watch this on a video and decide to fake it? And the reason why I say that is because it's piecemeal. And it's not piecemeal in a way you would expect where it's like, oh, this is backing up this. It's just like here's something that might be. Here's something that might be. And then I honestly do believe that Pete – really likes to fuck with people. And um, I it think that he was... Yeah, I think he was telling the truth when he said there was a game, obviously. Um, that was very specific. And if you do lie too many times, you can ask any PR person, they'll tell you. It, you can joke and think it's funny, but over time, they'll stop trusting you. They'll stop using you as any kind of news source. And I don't think Pete wants that. So I mm. think there is something coming. But like Lone and, and like I say, all you guys have said, I just... It'll be something... It'll be, it'll be a port or something small. Um, I also do believe that I'm waiting personally um, for Bethesda to see how successful Fallout VR is and see how those work because I would not doubt if they're maybe looking at an actual Skyrim VR getting all that set up. You know, what what kind of things they can do with VR as well. Mm -hmm. It may be something small, like something small like that, you know, versus like Starfield's a big, I mean, that is almost a Fallout slash Skyrim title. So it'd be surprising. I'll add this. So if we all can agree that E3 uh, 2017 Bethesda's conference, there was some certainly very odd circumstances (laughs) around it. Not just even the length of the show was very awkward and the amount of stuff that was shown. It didn't need to be. There was no conference needed. It was a waste of time. Let's be honest. But so how long are they going to wait until showing Starfield? I mean, I know I don't think it's coming at the end of this year. I don't think it's the mysterious new game. That makes no sense. But how long can they wait if this game was supposed to be shown and released this year? That's my question because obviously I don't think they're going to release it in early 2018 as that is I there's way too many way too much competition for them I would think. You got Red Dead, you got Far Cry, you have a bunch of um Sony games, Spider-Man, God of War, all those games coming in early 2018. I don't know if Bethesda mm-hmm. would do that, but I wonder if they're going to wait all the way to uh, E3 2018 to reveal it, but that makes it just makes me question. Uh, no, I I agree with you, and I also think that the uh you know just talking to people who are developing Star Citizen and and those kind of things, uh, No Man's Sky burned a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, not only in that company, but outside of it, and their their discussion about games. Star Citizen got impacted, and it's already got its own issues. Elite, all of the games that are <laughs> yeah. somewhat you know somewhat connected. So I also wonder if Bethesda was like, okay, listen, this is this game that somewhat does some of the same stuff we are is being hammered and we know we, you know, we want to release it later. Let's just not talk about it right now. 
I mean, there there's other things Absolutely. that happen in the industry that don't connect to that company that happen around. And they're like, Ugh, this probably won't work right now. Uh, for example, Andromeda. I don't know if you guys know. And well, Andromeda is bad, but there's a Dreamcast game where you actually fly planes around New York and you can destroy the Twin Towers. And oh, guess no. when it was guess when it was supposed to be released? Fuck off. Nine, Fuck 9/11. Off. Yeah, that, it's wild. Um, why uh, some wild something? Yeah, and it's somebody wow. found it, it. Actually, finally, there's a playable version you can download on an emulator, and you could smash into things. And they were like, "Yeah, we're just, you know, we're not releasing it ever." So th- something outside, and No Man's Sky was a big debacle. No Man's Sky was a big enough issue that like FCC and different organizations were looking at it, going yeah, false you advertising. Know, False advertising, yeah. What, but it what wasn't exactly false advertising, yeah. It was not. It was not, but I'm saying they can still look at it. To say it's not means you have to look at it to decide game, if it is. Mm. So I haven't touched it since last year. I wanted to touch it because I heard there were some good updates, but uh, there are. I know we're getting sidetracked, but No Man's Sky was just a game that was supposed to be something much bigger than I think everybody expected, but I think deep down we all should have known what it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. team, and what, 12 I, I people so made the game? Trouble. Yeah, man, I remember people were so mad at me because I was like, guys, they're not showing anything. And that was a week before the release. People were like, oh, they just said it's it's all hidden. And then people were still trying to tell me a week later, oh, there's sandworms. You just haven't got to the right place. And I'm like, man, you guys are like girlfriends who get beat. And you're like, I'm just he saying now, because he loves me. I'm just saying now that is one of the most disappointing endings to a game ever. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to say it. You guys, if you want to play No Man's Sky for the $5, it'll be offered in a few months, years. That ending just was, I don't know. Someone made a joke. Hey, thanks. Someone made a joke about how when you finally reach the center of the universe, it's just Peter Molyneux talking about Goddess or his next yes, game. Yes, <laughs> I remember that specific tweet. That was amazing. Oh, <laughs> I, just, I remember looking at it. I was like, wow, this is... I was like, okay, here we go. There's going to be a payoff here. There's going to be some type of giant planet, a bunch of life and all kinds. I was like, oh, no. Go no I thought that would be like a social me space where you meet other players or something. I was so convinced. I was like, yeah, it's got to be it. Like, that'd be so worth it in the end. And... and <laughs> nothing just kicks Dude, you, you out know what also like had a, a bad like talking about bad endings i know we're, we're deviating but shadow of mordor had a shit ending oh yeah the final battle with sauron i love oh that my game. god it was a quick yep. i love the game you're right you're right but the quick time battle with this whole game so was building bad. up to i was pissed i was legitimately fuming thinking this is what we've been building up i built up this entire orc army and then it turned out to be like five big orcs that followed me to the castle. And then I do a quick time event with Sauron. It was amazing. Dude, it was a Mass Effect 3. You're making, <laughs> you're carrying over your save file. You're making all these big choices. People are dying. And then you get to the end and it's red, green, blue. It, it, yeah. We will not do color choices is what they said. And yeah, they did, did color, color choices. choices. That's the greatest part. Yeah. I, I like the idea of Peter being at the end of every game from now on, though. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Just, I would hire Peter. I would give him cash and be like, Peter, just just record you like the ending of Matrix when you talk to the architect, and everybody's like, what the fuck just happened to this movie? It went from awesome to shitty. Same thing should happen in every ending. Should just be Peter talking about that fucking game. Just record it. Cause goddamn man, or just, or just that was a Peter, great tweet. Peter trying to rationalize every single bad ending in video games. Well, it is innovative and in its philosophy. Like, come on, Peter, it's get used into it. Space. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, going back uh, to the whole like E3 thing, I, I did want to say mm-hmm. that, look, this E3, it was like, 
it was a pretty loaded E3, I'd say. Like, I know some people might disagree, but I'd say that there was there was something for everyone there. There was, you know, Origins was there, Odyssey was there, a ton of games, like yeah, really big hitters. Too. Yeah, and then you and then you look at later this year as to how many games that are coming out. Even Bethesda, I think, is struggling. They have Wolfenstein coming out on the same day as Super Mario Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins. Then you have Evil Within coming out mid, uh, I think it's mid-October, Yeah, I think is, is my understanding. Boring. I'm sure that could turn into a whole conversation. I'm certainly worried about Bethesda this yeah. year. I don't think those titles are going to do all that great, even if they're That's another reason why critically, it's not uh, <laughs> Yeah. You would kill any sales for those that were remaining. But that's what I mean. Like, they had... They had like, I know that they didn't reveal a lot, right? But given how busy that period is, and they have, like, two games coming out in the same month, Bethesda had to, I think, change their focus to working on those games because otherwise, you know, everyone's asking about Starfield. No one gives a shit about Wolfenstein. Yeah. I, I um, in, in return to Legacy's question earlier about when they talk about Starfield, I wonder if Bethesda is trying to give themselves, and Bethesda Game Studios, rather, are trying to give themselves the luxury of time. Because, I would love to see a polished game from them for once. That'd yeah, be nice. Because I, I think it spoke volumes when they just dropped Fallout 4. I mean, they, there was such a huge player base there. And I'm not defending them when I say this, but I really think they, they got through to them. And they've commented on it in interviews on, we fucked up here, we fucked up there with Fallout 4. It's really anytime it's come up in a conversation, when it when it's coming from Bethesda Game Studios' mouth, it's, it hasn't seemed that positive. They'll say, like, yeah, we did some things right. But uh, if you're really confident in your product, I don't think you're saying, like, oh, we did some things, right? You know, you're not trying to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. So what I'm saying here is that I think they want to give themselves the luxury of time as much as possible. So it wouldn't surprise me if, like, next year we saw, um, like, another studio take one of Bethesda Game Studios' IPs, like a Fallout game or something. Like, maybe Elder Scrolls. Incoming Fallout MMO. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And and release that before Bethesda Game Studios next title. I don't know if it'll be 2018, 19, whatever. I, I think that would make a lot of sense just because I wouldn't say you're giving fans what they want. We want to see Bethesda Game Studios improve more than anything. But it's because of the IPs they have. It would be interesting to see another pair of hands on um, whatever IP from Bethesda Game Studios to give them time to work on this new IP to really... Make sure everything's set in stone. I think they did that with Fallout 4 because they did take a lot of time with it. Just a lot of the execution, it, it didn't turn out that well. Well, I think we can all agree that it's going to be one of their subsidiaries. Subsidiaries. Uh, it yeah, won't yeah. be anybody outside, which, you know, mm-hmm. Obsidian, where you at? No, I've talked about <laughs> I this. Wish. I mean, like, the, the next game that uses, you know, the Fallout or the Elder Scrolls IP that isn't BGS is probably going to be, well, it's going to be BGS Montreal or, or one of their new studios Absolutely. that's actually under the family. Because obviously that's, you know, they've got these studios there. That's mm-hmm. It's going to cost them more money to, to get someone like Obsidian to do their game. Why not use the talent yep. that they already have? I think it'll be Zenimax. I think right? it'll be Zenimax, Zenimax online, online studios. Good. I, yeah, think they're gonna I, make I agree, sadly. I, I, I don't want it. this. I've, I think I made, I made a video on this a few days ago. I said, deep down, I don't want it, but I think it makes sense. And while I think I obviously had the core Fallout fans saying, I don't want this. I want an RPG. I want it to be done right. Why don't yeah. it Obsidian? I'm like, no, I mean, multiplayer Fallout, people are going to want that. The general audience will this buy is, it. This is the problem. I mean, it's, it's when looking at things from a purely creative fan standpoint and a business standpoint. And like, look, I've said this publicly in videos. I want Obsidian 
to work on the next Fallout game because otherwise we're not going to get one for ages, yeah? But look, like, I, I made an entire video about this. Look at how Bethesda has treated its properties from, like, the, the past seven years to the previous seven years. In the previous seven years, the majority of their games that they published were developed by third parties that they got on board. In the past seven years, only one game has ever been created by a third-party publisher, third-party developer, and I believe that was Elder Scrolls Legends. Everything else yeah. has been developed in-house. And, and that's a clear change in their practice. Whether yeah. or not you agree with it or not, or not it's, that's besides the point. The fact is that they've made that decision, a, and it's a yeah. purely business decision. Okay, and then some people are saying, well, why not just buy Obsidian? Do you know how much it would cost to buy Obsidian? They're such a good developer with so many IPs under their arm. They would be a $100 million studio plus. It would be yeah. insane how much that studio would cost. Not that it wouldn't be worth it. With that not that it wouldn't be worth it, but it, like, a lot. it would be so expensive. Mm-hmm. Ridiculously that's a, that's expensive. A really, that's a really valuable piece of information you just put out there that it has not gone out of house since in the last seven years, except for that one title. That's huge. I never even mm-hmm. picked up on that. Yeah, I saw that video yesterday, and I was like, I didn't realize that either. That's mm-hmm. absolutely insane how much Bethesda wants their subsidiaries. I cannot say that word for anything today. <laughs> but um, they just they want them to make their games, and I get it. It makes sense money-wise, and that's why I think ZeniMax Online Studios probably is the next one in line to make a Fallout game. And that's why when people say that uh, Elder Scrolls Online is horrible, that's all I see. It's horrific. Nobody likes it. I'm like, no, there's... Yeah, I'm not saying it's the ideal Elder Scrolls game, but I, I've, I made it a video. What it is. I love it. I just, I love, I'm so proud of myself for this one. Just Elder Scrolls Online is not bad. That's all I fucking called the video. And I just say like, look, this may not be the Elder Scrolls oh. game that we all fell into lo- in love with the series, but it's a good game. I enjoy the game a lot. I hated it at launch. And you to hell? No, no, I actually was not. I was oh, not. Oh, good. It, it, because people that's the thing is that's why i said loudmouths when when legacy said that because yes there is a very vocal part of the fan base it's like fuck this fuck everything about it and i can see why i understand why totally but with that said there is a much larger following for this game because number one it's an mmo number two it's elder scrolls and there are people who yeah. have hopped into it skeptically and been like you know what this isn't too bad i like elder scrolls with my friends and what legacy was getting at earlier i wouldn't be surprised that they did this did this with fallout would not be surprised. Not saying I endorse it, I want it. <laughs> I just, I would not. Just don't be title surprised. the video that. Just yeah, don't title yeah. the video. You title I want to fall out of him. Fuck no. No, I, I just would not. I, I would not be surprised. And you know what? The thing is that with Elder, here's the issue I have with that and while we are deviating, but Elder Scrolls Online works in a way because of its universe because there's so many races and the time period it's set in like sure we can imagine all these different players yeah. are running around in fallout is it really a wasteland if you got twenty thousand player characters running around the same area shooting the same shit and, and plus same you don't zones? have like, right like i guess you could say all right let's you have a super mutant race a ghoul race a, a human race but what else is there uh, think I think like maybe instead of like races, but here's the thing: races and factions are different things. You'd have a race like a human or a, a vault dweller or whatever. Oh no, not even vault dweller. Just like, but then you'd have factions like railroad, vault dweller. That's, a, that's the issue: is brotherhood, that... enclave, yeah. Caesar's legion, NCR, and so on, There's, so forth. So that could be the way There's you get so around it. I mean, you could have a limited points. group of races, yeah, oh, yeah but then you'd have a ton of factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, okay, here's the thing is, like, a lot of MMOs have, like, the typical, okay, your class and then your starting area. So you could say, all right, I'm NCR or I'm, I'm Legion or 
I'm with House. I don't know. We'll say that. And that's where you start under, I mean, what classes could you fit into a Fallout MMO? Because I know we do builds in Fallout MMOs, or I'm sorry, in Fallout games, but like in an MMO, it's a totally different ballgame because you got to pick a class. Like what in Fallout would you say is a class? Like I use two-handed guns. I use pistols. Okay. <laughs> like, Can I be honest? I mean, like I, I completely see a Fallout MMO coming, but I don't think the franchise is fit to it. And not just because it's traditionally a single-player RPG, because Elder Scrolls was too, and the MMO is fun to play, and it does work in that regard as an MMO. But Fallout, like the the story, the factions, the races that are there, I don't think it works well with the MMO genre. But I think they're going to try. Put it in New Orleans, put it on the West Coast somewhere. They'll they'll find a way. Well, they'll they'll find a way. But like you know, the question is, we may not like it. It may not work. But yeah, I think they'll do it no matter what. Even if that angers us. Well, here's the thing: is ESO launched, and I thought no hope for this game. You know, I didn't yeah. like I didn't like it, and they they it. redid it with Tamriel Unlimited, and it turned out to be pretty good. Now, you know, they they yep. added the right content, they listened to the right feedback. You know, especially with the one Tamriel update that was announced, I think last year, where like everyone, no matter what your level, you know, you sync up together. That's oh, awesome. That was that's great. I mean, like the other day. I mean, right now we're doing this big playthrough with the collab mode channel on mm-hmm. elder scrolls online and right some now. people are just playing it on their own yeah they're like i just want to do some quests i want to level up and stuff but we can all come together at one time play that game together and it's fun like it's not like the the most amazing thing in the world if i played it on my own i'd probably get very bored but hey i say the exact same things about borderlands too mm-hmm. yeah a yeah, good point all right so bethesda was that our last topic little tease no we got just one more quickie this is about a mod coming out uh, very soon. Fallout New California. It was renamed from Project Brazil. Uh, basically, ah, the story right. with this mod is that you know, there was the first part released, I think, 2013. And now the rest of the package is coming out very soon. It's coming out uh, six gigabytes, release date soon. They are aiming for a 2017 release date. Um, it's a prequel to the older Fallouts, basically, and it's set during 2260. Or during that that era. You know, when Creation Club got announced, this is kind of what I wanted it to be. I mean, I get that from a technical Great. standpoint. We can't get stuff like that. But seeing quests, seeing stuff like really creative stuff like that, seeing Bethesda support it, oh, I just deep down I wish for it. Fallout the Frontier, Fallout Cascadia, Fallout oh, 3 really to Fallout 4. Brother. These are the projects that if they got supported by Bethesda, the community could get behind. Absolutely. But Creation Club right now, I know we don't want to talk about that because it's, it's just going to get maybe Carrick angrier alone. But um, it just makes you think, makes you wish a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this is, I, we're deviating. You, you brought it up. Like I, said. I know, I know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get this argument about how Creation Club mods... It's not possible for there to be quest mods because the the actual file size is limited to 4,000 records. I mean, is it just the case that they've used those file sizes because the mods that we have at the moment are very small ones, and if we ever were going to get a big quest mod, they'd use a different file size? Why is that not possible? I don't get the technicalities behind that. It is possible. So the the new plugin is is only able to carry 4,000 records, and one of the positives of the new plugin is actually probably the biggest positive to ever come out of Bethesda since they fucking did Daggerfall, which is <laughs> you, you don't have conflicts. You, so, so you can't, with, with these kind of new plugins, 
they can't conflict with each other like anything ESM, all that kind of stuff that I used to make mods for. Okay. Like those conflict, conflict. But so, this is what I mean. I mean, like they, they're what I'm using... saying is it probably can. I think they're just testing it. I mean, that's the honest. Well, truth. of I course they can. It. I mean, like how else do we fucking get DLC? We get DLC using like big DLC using different file sizes. Oh, sorry, different file formats. Why is that not possible for like a, a quest mod? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, say, say if on the Creation Club they're going to say we're going to do a big quest mod that's going to be DLC like. The fact that they can do DLC means that they can do those mods and use a different file format. That's what I don't understand. Well, the pricing well, worries me too about that, though. Of Sorry course for interrupting you, Carrie. No, 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 yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. look at that. One of what was it? The Hellfire Armors, five hundred. Five bucks. Five, five bucks. And yeah. you compare that. If they ever do a quest mod or actual DLC that we want. That's that's going to be pricey. But, but that's why I was getting upset about the system. Because I said, look, this is what we've been paying for DLC. And now, like, a, a quarter of the price of, of uh, Nuka World is one piece of Hellfire. Fire, fire, fire armor, whatever it's called. Sorry, I'm babbling. Um, but what I don't... Like, I can still see them doing a DLC-sized. And if they were going to set that, you know, more expensive than Far Harbor, people are going to get even more upset. But what I'm saying is... It should be possible. I, I can't see the technicalities why that they can't release a, a DLC-like thing on the Creation Club. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, if something is lacking in conflict, so you, so you can't conflict with this new plugin, yeah. we don't know what's going on in the engine. It could be a situation where when you use those plugins, you are actually requiring more CPU or GPU resources that yeah. we're not aware of, something like that. I don't necessarily believe that. I'm just saying this is... And so what may also be happening is Bethesda is known... We talked about this earlier. We want Bethesda to have more time to make their games because they're buggy all the time. They may mm. just... They might be They might be learning. And they might just be like, hey, let's start small. The problem is, is they started too small, I think, for most people. they Basically, what Why they did is they released the creation club without any creation in it. You got a club. <laughs> but I made an ACG club for Xbox, and I've got cooler stuff. So that, to me... <laughs> indicates that there's a problem they, they and, and there's how a great real would it have there. been if if we uh, and going back to the project brazil mod like what's it called again and, and now maddie the, uh, the new, new california, california. Yeah. follow new, new california imagine if that was released as part of the creation club day it, one and that was 25 exactly. bucks i exactly. would be like holy shit let's those do it mods, those big mods that what's the cat one cat people one it's called like elsarin or something like that it's it was Elsewhere. released a couple of years thank you I was close. No, I wasn't at all. But <laughs> there's that. There's what's the one made by the one kid who now works with Bethesda, Falscar? No. Mm. So there's two. There's there's Falscar, which is made by the kid, and then there's another one that was like just the Kajit or whatever, and they're yeah. and one of their. It was like Moon something. Um, mm. I would love to have seen exactly what Lone's saying. Like, boom, this releases Creation Club three big, big, huge mods yeah. with improvements. Right. You know, like bug fixes, um, you know, the the person going in there and making sure that, you know, if there's any issues with textures on the stuff that they've yeah, created, yeah. which happens a lot of times, has been improved. But they didn't. They started with and, and also, there. And I'll say that. Also stuff like three big quest mods that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise unless this system was in place. So that's actually true. offering value. Like, I don't know whether the guys behind uh, Fallout New California are asking for money on Patreon, which they absolutely deserve it, yeah? Or they're like getting people to, to donate or whatever it is. I think that's but, what they wanted, just some donations, but it's free. Okay. It's free. Yeah. So it's free, right? It's but they're free. still getting donation, donations to try and support it, yeah? What yeah. if 
their mod was going to be like because I could imagine situations where this would be the case. If their mod wasn't possible to develop unless they got the money to do so, then we have a mod like that release on Creation Club that the only way that exists is because that system is there. That is better, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's perfect, but that's the only thing that I'd buy on Creation Club. You know, what you're saying is obvious. You know, you'd think that Bethesda understands this is what we want, but, you know, you'd think that everybody thinks this is the obvious answer, but for some reason, it hasn't... It hasn't dawned on Bethesda for some reason. We got this lackluster launch, and it looks like the leaked um, next ones are going to be a bunch of doom, some Doom stuff. It's like, this isn't what we want. Oh, leaked? I didn't even see that. What, what was that? Uh, you said Doom? Uh, yeah, they went into the files. I think Doom's going to... There's some Doom armor and stuff coming next, and weapons, and some other smaller things. Uh, it's nothing. It's pretty much what we got right now. It's just like, oh, yeah. It's, have they, they have not officially commented on Creation Club at all? I don't think they have unless through Pete, Pete Hines. Hines did the thing yesterday or whatever. Well, Pete Hines, I, I went through his, I've checked what he said. He's <laughs> had to defend why, is it paid mods, is it DLC? Exactly. And it's pretty much, as far as I can understand, it's mini DLC, but it's not DLC and it's not paid <laughs> mod. This is the thing, he, I mean. He literally answered it by by saying it wasn't what he his answer was. <laughs> this is why I think the whole is a paid mods is a DLC discussion is is fucking just getting away from the main point. Just sure. look at it as a system. You're spending money to get certain items. Is it worthwhile? I don't think it is. That is the fucking conversation. Let's ask what would make it worthwhile? Would you spend $20 on a big quest mod that you would never have gotten otherwise? I would, and I think a lot of other people would. Yeah. Who cares about this whole paid mod versus what they're doing by by quoting him there is highlighting what it's like to do PR for really bad ideas. I think I said that last week, or I think another YouTuber said it, and I thought it was really smart of them. But yeah, this is what happens. I'm not saying Pete didn't play a part in making this idea, but this is what happens when you have to be the mouthpiece for a really fucking broken and bad idea. You just you, you can't. There's no explanation for it what it is they don't know what it is i think the good news is that the uproar that we have right now i think it has to speak to bethesda but honestly i don't know what type of dollar bills are coming in for them and if they're enjoying it but this the reception right now doesn't seem very you know positive Mm. for the future of Mm -hmm. whatever elder scrolls is creation club launches or skyrim i should say and this so and even if we go back to the project new california look the fact that these guys have been able to... It seems like that they have a full-time job already and that they're doing this as a hobby, as, a, as, as an aside, because... Volunteer work. Like, yeah, and because, you know, there's no way that they'd be able Same to do so otherwise. Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 mod. Right, like, people need money to survive. But let's say they get to the end of this project and say, that was great, you know, people love this thing, we got some donations, but fuck, I can't do that again. Like... I, I lost happens. money doing this. But that's what they've or... said with some of the other ones. Like Fallout the Frontier, I think that the most the team behind that said that when it's released, or it was one of them, they said when it's done, they're done. They're no longer going to be doing anything else. And now with... let's say at that point, Bethesda came to them and said, exactly. we want you to create something similar for Creation Club. We're going to sell it for $25. We're going to give you royalties and also pay, paying you in milestones. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. I don't see a bad thing with that. That's what I don't understand either. These projects, just based off of donations and such, they're they're phenomenal. The voice acting, the but, I mean, obviously there's losing bugs. money, like, like and then, and that's why exactly. I feel bad exactly. for them. Well, what I feel bad for, and we talked about this last podcast, and I fucking fumed about it all weekend because I should have just said what I really thought. I probably did, 
But the fact is, is I still think the biggest disrespect I've ever seen from a company this year is Bethesda not paying Creation Club members by download. Sorry, I you guys you guys made by not, download or by revenue. By, by by download or no, revenue, I, I but read not that story just too. by milestone. I read that story I'm sorry. Too. I cannot he, handle paying. Pete Hine, though, when he went on the defensive on that, he was saying, well, we. I think he was responding to a bunch of people on Twitter because they were angry about that, too. He's like, well, we pay them a set rate, and that's it, which is it's kind of ridiculous when you think well, about that, but though. But that's how independent contracting works, guys. Like, yeah. this is a, this is a different does, conversation. Does it make things. sense? Actually, it makes sense. No, keep going. Keep going. Sorry. I was thinking. Well, I was going to it makes sense, but at the same time, I, I just it rubs me off the wrong way. It really does. But here's the thing: if you if you look at Total Biscuit, like this is a, a thing that does not have a clear answer. If you look at Total Biscuit's tweet on this, he says like this is how indep- and this is absolutely how independent contracting works in the games industry. Yeah. And also, what it means is because the the mod creators or the creation club creators aren't <clears> dependent <throat> upon their mod selling you know a certain amount of revenue and downloads to be able to make, you know, give them a profit. It gives them safety that they're going to get paid anyways, no matter how well their mod does or not. Yeah, but, but obviously the argument... I think adding milestones would be something that would be a little... I just, I get that these people need to get paid no matter what, and I'm perfectly fine for that. That's that's fine. But mm. anything more, maybe some huge uh, milestones, if they met that, then yeah. But no, but, and, this, and, this, and this is the thing, though, right? And, and like... I, I agree. Like, pay them on regular milestones for how you know the progress of their create uh, developing well, this creation club yeah. item, and then you know milestones. You know, after the, the download, the creation club content's release, and how much revenue it gets, etc. Look, I'm not, I'm not against that. Absolutely not. But this is the thing. Yeah, people are getting upset about this, but people were not getting upset when people, the voice actors that went on strike, that wanted bonuses or royalties for every X millions of, of a game sold. Gamers yeah. said to that, well, why do you deserve that? You don't deserve that. This is the exact same situation. No, it's, it's the not. exact same. Well, it's similar, no. Carrick. It is. It, okay, it's similar, but it's not the same when somebody Can else I, uh... is writing your words for you. No, hang on. Somebody no, else goodbye. is writing your words <laughs> for you. Right? Like, if I wrote if I wrote words for you, that's different than sitting there and create, creating something from no, no, the no, very but, bottom. But this, is Additionally, thing, this is the thing, though, Carrick. I mean, like, there is no. Other I, I'm thing. not. I'm, I'm no, no. No, there is because what people were saying was that those voice actors don't deserve royalties because developers don't get royalties. And then the discussion came into it. Well, do developers deserve royalties? And everyone was saying no. Okay, here's the thing. We're, we have different um, fan bases. Yeah. So that is not what I was hearing. Okay. So, that's, uh, that's so, uh, so I, I see what you're saying. So, yeah. So, what I was hearing was that. Um, a person who creates everything versus a person who comes in to deliver a performance, right? Yeah, yeah. Movie stars, though, they can they lately have been writing in behind, you know, uh, long tail sale stuff, but yeah. some of them don't do that. What I was what I was saying is, um, Total Biscuit's wrong, completely wrong. There are actual many developers who are independent who get paid by milestone. I've worked for them. Well, there's so I don't know what he means. There's one can, big can example define... I can think of though. Wasn't Bethesda? Sp- wasn't there a royalty or a milestone or something set in place with yeah, Fallout, New Fallout, or Fallout, Fallout, Fallout New Vegas? Or Fallout New Vegas. I know that's maybe Metacritic. not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's an example of a milestone, or I guess. No, 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 no. no. Like, let's let's try and define it here. Milestone is the term used when they def- like they finish a certain percentage of a piece of content. So right. let's say the milestone is finishing developing fifty percent of Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. 
the bonus or the royalty is that if you hit 85 on Metacritic, you get a certain amount of money. Like so. Yeah, what and I'm I saying think, is, yeah, the people. What I was saying was the people I know and I'm talking to like now are getting paid via uh, are getting bonuses for sales, and I've never and, heard and, of and that yeah. not happening. And and no, and this is the thing. I mean, this is what I'm saying. If we are going to say that Creation Club uh, modders deserve a not just you know regular milestones, but also a bonus when you know their content sells X number of dollars or number of downloads, whatever it is, if that's what people believe, then let's also have the wider discussion as to whether developers deserve that too, because that's the same thing. You and I'm not saying that, which I do think they deserve it. Gotcha. And and, gotcha. and so do is, I. <laughs> and this is the thing that annoys me. No, no, and and I agree. I, I think they do, they do as well. But this is the thing that annoys me. People are picking battles. And they'll say, well, that oh, deserves yeah. to happen, but I don't actually think regular developers deserve a bonus. That's, well, of, that's hypocrisy there. Let me give you a comparison. I've, I've worked a retail job in the past. I'm sure everybody has. And I got yeah. bonuses for how the company was doing. It, this may be outside of gaming, but I just kind of find it ridiculous that developers, modders, whoever is working on these don't get bonuses all the time. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's, and, and that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, let, let's let's that's be consistent with our arguments. You're right about that. You are right if, about that. If people say, you know, well, those voice actors and those developers don't deserve a bonus, but these creation club modders do. What is the difference there? Difference there. Be consistent with your arguments. If you're going to say that one deserves a bonus, then the other does too. But I don't see you coming out about that. Well, there might also be the situation where, as somebody who's signed a lot of this kind of stuff, where one independent doesn't get healthcare, for example. Or independent doesn't get a, a place to work. They're working remotely and they're paying their own electricity and all that. Um, mm -hmm. You may have a situation where people look at the independent and say, okay, we got to throw them a bone. What kind of bone do we throw them versus somebody who is in an office and, and has these particular perks that a person who's not. Now, remember, a lot of people like to work from home. So I'm not that. That's a completely separate discussion. It, yeah. <laughs> but oh, oh, yeah. Well, so uh, what I always forget is we do. We have. We have so different um, um, fan or like subscribers, fans, whatever people who watch and people who yeah, that we yeah. hear from. Because I hear from a technical side of one thing of like the voice actors who you know I love voice, but even I, when that was announced, like we want this, I was like, well, wait. I mean, I get your performance matters; it does. But let's say graphics just didn't appear in your game. It's a lot different than voice just not appearing in your game. So. Uh, and, know, and, and that's the thing, Carrie. Put in and what should you get paid? Or, or it's a pretty wide discussion. That, that's the discussion I was seeing, and that I was surprised at because you know w sure. when the voice actor said, "We believe that we should get paid on how many million extra million a game sells," right? And people were saying, right. "No, you don't," because developers don't get that. And the voice actors were saying, "Well, why isn't that what you guys want as well?" Like we're saying. Not just us, but developers deserve that. But we just have to argue for for voice actors because that's our union. So yeah. why why is the argument that developers don't deserve that so you don't don't deserve it instead of actually you deserve it and so do developers so let's argue for them too that's I wasn't seeing that but yet yeah. with Creation Club people are saying the exact same thing well, well to, it's crazy uh, to me they may something. also just know about Creation Club they may not know about the other stuff you're talking about that's too. true I mean, that's true sometimes they may just not have the knowledge of it. okay yeah, yeah sorry, that makes Maddie, sense. no let me no, let me just fun. toss that something fun, in there um. When people started discussing, you know, Bethesda maybe taking 100% of profits from Creation Club, I thought of Chris Avalon right away. I was like, let me message him because he does, you know, independent work. Yeah. He, he's, yeah, right. he does not 
work for one specific studio. Just they hire him. He writes for their game. So I will Freelance, read verbatim yeah. the messages sent between him and I uh, five days ago. Said, hey, Chris, sorry to randomly uh, message you, but I have a quick question about independent contracting in the games industry that I feel only you could answer for me. I'd love to get a quickly chat about it if you have some free time. He said, sure, Maddie. How can I help? I said, thanks. Uh, feel free to tell me if this is a question that you can't answer, considering you do some freelance work. I thought you would be best to answer this. When it comes to independent contracting in the games industry, is payment based off hitting milestones or how many sales the title has? And does it differ based off what kind of work you do in the game, such as writing, program, art, etc.? He said it can be both, but at the very least and most often, it's just milestones. Royalties are yeah, rare yeah, yeah. in the game industry and often a lo- and often not a lot of money. It, um, mm, it does depend go. on the discipline. Usually artists and programmers make the most. Designers, QA, production make lower amounts. He said, interesting, thanks. Just trying to understand the process a bit with more rumors about the Bethesda's Creation Club circling. Seems like a lot of uh, things are happening, and I wanted to ask someone who has experience with freelance work. He said, there are some projects that allow writers rates by the hour or word by word. Uh, Word is the worst way to pay a writer, in my opinion. It just encourages people to write more, which in games isn't the best thing. I do know of a, um, or sorry, I misread that. I do only know of a few indie projects where the payment is solely based on sales and everyone contributes for free in the hopes of a payout at the end. Mm. That can be a long wait, though. And, and, And this is the thing. He just said, the, the pretty much the, the norm is no royalties. You get paid upon how many hours you put in, right? And But yet people will get upset at Creation Club. And I'm not saying there's not re- reason to be upset, but why weren't you also upset about how contracting is usually done in the games industry? You never said anything about that, yet you're angry about this. And, and What's the, the difference? Well, that, I think that this you... was in the Q&A for, uh, for Bethesda. It was there, Club. and no one realized it because no one cared. But I think everybody's like... trying to find a reason to get angry about Creation Club right Absolutely. now. See, it's you. the hot topic. It is the hot Thank topic. You. And I haven't heard any modders come out who've worked on this or anybody in general complain about this. I mean, deep. I think we've all made it clear that we think that they should be paid more. Developers too, voice actors, whatever. We can keep on going with that. But mm-hmm. it just, oh, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Creation Club's the hot topic right now, and everybody wants to get pissed off about it. But There's I also... To... Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. You're good. No, you're good. Go ahead. I, I was going to j- agree, and I say, but also, if you listen to his answer... There is actually some there's some subtle differences there, and one of the big ones is who's doing what is one, and mm-hmm. then whenever anybody says that there's some flexibility and these people get paid more than these people, suddenly what happens is the entire discussion becomes this gray area, which it sounds like is what loan is having an issue with, which makes sense. Like, why are you saying this if you're not wanting it over here? Blah blah yeah. blah. But I yeah. I think what's honestly happening is. Creation Club offers a window into something that some people couldn't understand prior. And now that they're starting to pick up on it, that is all they have. Because they're looking at Creation Club because it's being announced. And they see what they feel is a disparity between not only Creation Club itself and what's getting paid. But I'm going to be honest, the quality. The Mm. quality is higher from modders than it is from Bethesda's own stuff. We've talked about this for years. Better textures, better whatever, you know, yeah. for all of all of your games. So I think people are getting in and they're just re- they are outraged. It's an outraged nation. Well, I think we can but, all agree but that they also see it. I think we all can agree that if Creation Club had launched better, maybe there's quests, maybe there's other stuff that people actually want to buy and enjoy. This isn't a topic. This doesn't come up. I don't mm. think it does. I think it certainly Not is a problem. As much. 
or not well, nearly and, as much. I think and it's this is, and I wanted to clarify. I mean, I'm not saying that the because this is the norm in the games industry that creation club modders don't deserve to get paid based on royalties. That's not what I'm actually saying. I'm I'm, I'm saying right now I'd like that to be the case for milestones and also if their mod does really well they get a cut of that i think that would be absolutely amazing for the creator it also incentivizes them to keep con- you know doing this and make more content and make more great and bigger content that's that's fantastic but people that get upset about this are trying to do so just because just what you said legacy is because creation club is a hot topic and people want to get upset let's be real here that is not the problem with creation club the big problem with Creation Club is the content and the pricing. It's not the fact that they're not getting paid based on you know royalties and stuff. That's a, a subset of it, I agree, and I'd like to see them get paid on royalties. But the bigger problem here is the fact that it's you know what's available and, and the pricing. But people are just trying to get outraged with it, which I think we need to properly pick our battles here. If you want to get upset about the royalty system, fine. But where were you when this voice actor thing happened and voice actors were saying, Oh, we also believe that developers should get paid based on royalties too. Because from the games industry, like for a lot of the community, at least from what I saw, I did not see that argument being made. Yeah, it's well, being made here. That's inconsistent. It, it is inconsistent. But I mean, at some point, we have to just, I mean, like you say, where were you? I don't know who you is. You know, no, I, I, might, I, I, you know, I see what you mean. Yeah. We, we both have different like groups as, as well, but we don't know where the people were. I just sold the first time ever a xbox one used to a friend who's never played a console before so he mm. doesn't know and he finds out about creation club and he finds this out and he can only talk about creation club i also think the fact is is that a lot of us have a little bit of inside baseball and that can make it even worse because we expect some knowledge from people that that don't have it that can be a big deal. Additionally, when it comes down to it, sometimes I think people do just pick the battles where the the window of information is there. Creation Club allows it. It's got one issue that maybe they can't figure out, but they can understand pay. <laughs> like, they can pick up. Most people <laughs> understand what's money. like to not get paid, right? Money, money, money. Um, but, but then they don't understand things like I said, union. A union protects you from some things. Guess what? An independent contractor does not have that. That's what I've been all my life. So developers both, don't have that either. People don't understand don't have that either. So so you have these different groups. Mm. So saying where is somebody in this one argument, they may not agree that that argument needs to be made because that group is a subset in an area that has its own offices and has mm. health care and they don't. And so there's these there's so many gray areas to me. To me, the problem is it's not even that things are bad. It's the fact that they're so piss poor with their PR and their information about it that they're that all it is is talk. Like none of us know what's happening. That's sad to me. It's sad to me that we have to go, well, what what do you mean this happens or this happens? Why do we have this, not this? It it just got released, man. I mean, it's just so weird. It's just mm. like, oh yeah, creation club, but there's nothing there. And uh, I mean, it's like a magic show where there's no fucking last trick at the end, and you're like, so the pigeon's dead? Okay. Yeah, wait. So, so there was a compartment for the rabbit? What? Yeah. <laughs> or to the rabbit. Is the rabbit dead? Yeah, it's just... And I, I think that that's... So for me, my inside baseball is maybe some of the stuff I've done. Yours, because we know you know what you've done on the side. Maddie's, because he's a reviewer. He knows people like Chris. And Legacy, because of what he's done in the channel and, and what he's focused on. But sometimes those fans just don't know. And... um. And they argue. And I guess our goal 
or the goal should be for us to make videos that makes it a clear and concise discussion. I was just about to say that. Discussion. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's the job for all of us um, yeah. to get the points out there and make sure people are informed about things that aren't right within this industry, whether that's <laughs> Creation Club, whether that's whatever whatever is going to be happening tomorrow. Crunch time. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, characters touch on the Yeah, there you where, go. Crunch time. Where I, I am been guilty of this so many times where I'll generalize the internet and I'll generalize the community and I'll generalize the comment section. And have I done that in today's podcast? Probably. And yeah, Me I too. have to apologize for that, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and, ev- and everyone have. does that, yeah. I mean, like, it's how, like how YouTubers are, are generalized and I hate that, yet I'll do the same thing about the internet and what I see. But I guess I have to keep clarifying. This is just what I saw and it kind of irked me a little bit. Yeah, so, no, I, makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes generalization just, it almost happens it subconsciously happens. where like you're, yeah. you're thinking of what exactly you are generalizing and you know it makes sense. Like I remember uh, for my Hellblade review, I remember I, I said, this is why we game. That's what I said. And in and, and, and complete honesty, I did generalize, but I was generalizing people who like story and who love sound. That's what I was mm. generalizing. And in that's why those types of gamers game, because that's what fucking Hellblade delivers on. But people thought I was generalizing my entire audience, and quite honestly, that's what the review title shows. Was it my intention? No. Was that the case, though? Technically, yeah, but I was... Like I said, it just happens subconsciously, so you can't blame yourself sometimes for that type of generalization. In an well, generalization, where... if you believe in fucking evolution, Maddie, generalization's there to save you from getting fucking eaten. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people do it for a reason. Like, there's a very valid reason of that. But I think most conversations we've had always starts with that, and then we define it as we continue, which is totally normal, yeah. um, you know. For and, and then identify where we come from. I just think the sad fact is, is I we can all agree that um, it's a piss poor launch. How about no, that? No, I, I, I can't disagree with you. And stuff like Fallout New California just kind of makes you wish if Bethesda could support stuff exactly. like this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the. See, I'm going to roll right back into it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's exactly the problem. I think best we leave it at that, but yeah. follow it. Yeah. It, it, no, <sighs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You could literally go in circles all day because it's just like, how do you not know? Okay, argue, argue, yeah. argue. How do you not know that we like this? Argue, argue. And it's just endless. And, so. just, and, and this will be a closing point on the okay. whole uh, you know, independent contract royalties thing. I, I just, I just want to ask for people that talk about that Let's not treat Creation Club as doing something different as to the industry norm. If we want to talk about that and how bad it is, let's talk about it in the biggest context. Don't say, well, Creation Club is doing something so bad. Well, actually, it's the norm. Let's talk about the norm. And if that's the problem, that's the problem. And let's talk about that because mm-hmm. that's where the conversation should be had. Because Team if Bondi. we don't... If... Yeah. Didn't they have... Uh, I, I thought Team Bondi, uh, other than the crazy harassment stuff i thought one of their major reasons for falling apart was because of overwork and just horrible treatment crunch yep, yep. so it's that like, uh, yeah yeah there was I, huge stories about that and also the relationship was just too expensive to make games but yeah the relationship oh, with oh, rockstar right. went downhill too yeah yeah there's a lot of problems there yeah it's, yeah the it's, technology they were using was difficult to figure out and uh, i remember reading just too many articles there was too many issues with that but hey la noir's back yeah <laughs> John Noble, John Noble, and I going head to head. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting stuff. It's sad. I mean, I wish everybody got exactly what they should, but I guess that's not the real world. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right, that's uh, our last. That was hated. That was that was passionate. 
guys. And all yeah, that was a blast. That, that was, was a blast. Fucking good one. Hope nobody took anything I said seriously. By the way, except I think I said somebody should fuck off, and I meant it. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, but no, that was a blast. That's the way it should be. Sometimes. I mean, the thing is, is you can not care, but that's sort of crappy. Like mm. caring. I, I think we're, we are passion. all here. You know, being passionate and like I, I made a few mistakes on this podcast, right? But we're all doing so because we love this industry and we no, want to see it prosper. Of course, like it, that's where it all comes yeah. from. Well, you know, that goes with all the topics we discussed. Whether that's Bethesda, whether that's Ubisoft, yeah. whether that's whoever, Rockstar, we all want them to be better. We want them to do stuff that fans actually enjoy. But the only way you do the only way you do that is by calling out the stuff that just doesn't make sense or absolutely needs fixing. Agree. Yeah. And also, you yeah, know, don't be a sure. dick about it. Like I'd made a tweet about that. You know, like I, I, if I'm trying to convince Carrick or something, it's better for me to say, "Hey, Carrick, I think you did this wrong." Instead of saying, "Fuck you, Carrick, what the fuck is wrong?" Like, yeah, there's differences differences of communication there, and one works better than the other generally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A total biscuit said that when he was talking about um, people freaking out about the Shadow of Mordor cancer DLC. He was like, you know, oh, boy. We, we could all shit ourselves. But he's like, it might be better to just be ca- be like a little bit more laid back about it, so people can get your get your Good idea point. a little easier. Yeah, and I, I I would agree. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is what would get a you know while we're talking about PR and stuff and and actually getting through to them? What do you think would get through more? A bunch of concise, really just to the point messages or internet outrage? As no, someone, neither. Mm-hmm. You don't think social media no it needs to be like the xbox one which was probably the largest switch we've ever seen a company ever perform i would say but, but with your wallets about, uh no they didn't vote with their wallet they did social media outlets to the point to where they had surveys they had uh, i think two hundred thousand people signed a survey against xbox one being always online and until don matrick basically I had to say yeah, i remember that so okay i yeah but but surveys don't work either <laughs> Oh, dude! I did surveys. I could tell you. How no, 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 no. Like, like, th- no. I'm saying, like, when when people go onto these, you know, survey websites and say, "Hey, no, what's it called? What's the website everyone goes to?" Change. Funky. Change. Dot org. Right. Oh, change. Dot org. Just, just, just look at the success rate. Look at the hit rate. How many change. Dot org petitions have gone into the ether? What I'm, what I'm saying, I'm not saying that one tweet to Pete Hines is going to make them change the system. I'm saying a tweet that's calm and concise is going to do better and it's going to have more of a chance than a tweet that tells him to fuck off. Yeah. Well, that, looking that's through what saying. he's been responding to the last couple, last week or two, probably all the way back yeah. to E3, it's just been that one issue, Creation Club. Whether that's payment, was, whether that's how yeah. it is, and whatever. Yeah, and I wasn't saying, I wasn't, so I don't disagree. I wasn't even going in that line of thought. So no, I sorry, agree sorry, completely. Man. No, that's all right. I, I, I agree completely. What I was saying was with surveys and with uh, concise information, what happens mm-hmm. is a company can get, let's say, what's your problem with Creation Club? And you have four choices and yep. you can identify and then they can see, OK, m- more of the problem is around this than it is this, that kind of stuff. I'm saying those are all better alternatives than being an asshole. Well, I guess right now the only I thing agree. we can do is just hope. We can hope that Bethesda's listening and... They know that we do not want the stuff that they're offering right now, yeah. especially for the price that they're offering this stuff. The reason compared to... uh, I don't hold out hope is I, I think of their review policy. I mean, there was pretty big backlash in general. Yeah. You know, they, right when up. you type in Bethesda review policy, I don't even think their policy comes up. It's 20 articles saying why this policy is horrible. And they just, what Bethesda does is they keep quiet until everyone shuts up and then they move on. Like Carrick said, keep your head down, make another video. 
That's basically what they Sorry. <laughs> this is my dog. I apologize. Shut up, dude. You're fine. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Get mad without no, but me. I, I know what you mean, Maddie. You know what I mean? But yeah. it, it is what it is, and uh, it, this is the tough thing because if right now, let's say Bethesda was to say, we need to improve at Creation Club and actually have quest size DLC. We won't see that for six months plus, and that's the problem. Correct. Because, like, yeah. Unless they come, unless they come out today and said, "Hey, we're fixing this now. In a year's time, you will see this." I think that might go over well, but even then, like even if they try to fix this stuff, we're not going to see the the problems fixed until a well, year have, from now. Thinking about it, though, you have to. We all know that Bethesda probably knew that there was going to be backlash no matter what. The question is how much do they? How badly do they think it was going to be? Do they think it was going to be this bad, or do they mm. think it was going to be worse? Because the only way change happens if, well, obviously money money talks again. So mm-hmm. yeah. sales start. People don't buy it, then obviously they'll well, have to you, look in other options. But you want to you want to know something really scary? And I'm 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 assuming Matt or uh, Lone will know a little bit about this, but um, kangaroos. You, you, no, well, kangaroos. He's he runs too, from. Yeah. But you, we always hear that. Um, speak with your wallet, and it's funny because a game company they don't know if you haven't bought their game. So yeah. what I'm talking about with Twitter and surveys is because a positive information needs to actually come in so that they can make a choice or a desired decision. For example, yeah. Microsoft when when Microsoft was like online only internally, they thought it was fine. But what was weird. <laughs> was outside of Microsoft, but still within the company, outside of Microsoft Games. There were people who were going like, what? What are you trying to do? Even though they knew Office 365 was coming and all this stuff, everybody outside was saying stuff. No one believed them until the outrage came up, pinpointed stuff, and they were like, okay, yeah, this is a serious issue. I think it requires so much, though, that, that I agree with Maddie that I'm a little nervous. It'll never happen because... Bethesda does get away with things, the review policy stuff. They do just sort of put their head down. What I'm nervous about is that no amount of surveys, no amount of information, no amount of nice email, because all Pete is going to think is what we've thought. And Lone and I, well, all of us have talked about this. We're like, oh, yeah, we only hear from the people complaining about what we said. Everybody who's enjoying what we said, you know, Mm -hmm. doesn't post. So it's like, what is Pete sitting there going, everybody who responds to me and has a problem with this is just one small subset, and everybody else likes it because they're silent. But and, and do you know what? That, that's, that's the problem, Carrick, because we are a small subset. People exactly. that make videos on the internet and journalists and, and gaming news outlets and all that, we're actually the the minority here in yeah, terms of the sure. wider games industry and casual consumers. I mean, yeah. they're the ones that really have the sway, but you'll never hear from They're the ones buying Assassin's Creed. I think to uh, bring one of Carrick's points to light, and maybe a good wrapping up point would be I remember I was at a event for Bethesda. I will not specify which or when, and I was discussing their review <laughs> policy with them. And the person, who, oh boy. A, a person who worked at Bethesda's response was, "I have no idea what the fuck's going on with that." Oh, so yeah. I've said this before, but like Carrick said, you know, there are going to be people inside the company who are like, "What? It's not just this one uniform mind." All agreeing on the same thing. There is probably. You mean a lot it's not Mr. Bethesda making all the yeah. decisions? <laughs> Mr. Bethesda. Imagine that's <laughs> gonna make that. Like the thing. Fallout Pit Boy. There's just Mr. Bethesda. He's, he I looks just like am the Fallout Pit Bethesda. <laughs> and I have a dream. Yeah, it's yeah, there's there's a ton of people out there who don't agree with a lot of the stuff or do agree and are way worse than even 
the, the people making the decisions. I mean, that's what happens with individuals. It's, it's sad you heard that because I always hope somewhere there's these moral people. I know this is completely anti Carrick, but I, this is what I actually like. I sort of, I think this is how I get through reality. But I always hope that there's people at these companies fighting the good fight. Because I say it a lot of times in reviews where I'm like, I want to see what the developer meeting was like. Like, what the who thought this was a good. Hey, guys, cancer DLC. High five. That's fucking awesome. Well, there like, are a few. We all know that I, we've well, everybody's we, we conversations, do. But what I'm, but what I'm majority, saying is I just like it. It's yeah. just it's it's interesting to understand that there's all these different groups. And we'll it's all about money. Not win. All the companies want is money. There's some companies out there that are looking to make great experiences. And I guess money second. But. And the, even though no, the take, no, money's first for everyone. Well, that's why I mean. Yeah. That's why I mean. Like companies like Take Two said, "Well, we're looking to make a great experience, and money will come with it." I'm like, eh, no, no, you're just trying to make as much money as you can, finding <laughs> your titles. Yeah, like, just... sometimes those two goals will will meet, and it's a beautiful experience. So we're all singing Kumbaya together. But usually, yeah. What well, did you really mention CD Projekt Red with every conversation? Yeah, mm-hmm. and oh, CD Projekt Red has its own issues. So, oh yeah, well, yeah and that's it. Like people are saying, well, why not just sell it free for CD, like CD Projekt Red? I'm like, well, not everyone has good old games like CD Projekt Red, and making a ton yeah. of money off of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's pretty crazy that it, a lot of people think that all of these companies and everybody out there like uh, CD Projekt Red hasn't doesn't have their own issues. They do. They all do, and they're all yeah, trying they, to make as much. Oh, money they just as got possible. hacked a few months ago. That's good. Kinda... Yeah. Did you not remember that their cyberpunk yeah. oh, uh, files got hacked? Black blackmail. Oh 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 oh, gotcha. I do remember. Yeah. What happened with that? Did they pay? Uh, no. no, they, they said, said that they were right. contacting the. They're gonna authorities, and they were gonna investigate. Nothing's came about about it, so I guess the hackers must have just. I guess or if I show up with it. gold teeth at next uh, next podcast, you guys will know that my hack worked. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on a bunch of Bitcoin, baby. No, oh, I'm gone. Don't, I hope that like YouTube isn't searching this, just going, hmm, hmm that's interesting. Yeah, let's find his address. <laughs> anyway, all right, that'll that'll wrap up what is a really excellent and long podcast legacy. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, sure, yeah, thanks. It's been man. fun. Been fun, guys. Glad you had fun, I man. Really More than welcome to come back whenever you'd like. It's been a long time coming. Um, anything you'd like to promote to close it out? Um, not really. I mean, if you guys are looking for Red Dead Redemption Two coverage and various games, Bethesda, anything, EA, it doesn't really matter. I just talk about anything that I like. So if you're looking for stuff like that, head on over to my channel, uh, awesome. Legacy Killer HD. Nice. It'll be and make make that the, the hashtag. Hashtag, for the, for the podcast. hashtag what? Hashtag Leg- Legacy Killer HD. Sure. I mean, he's guys on Twitter, so is it going to be at Legacy Killer HD? Hashtag Legacy Killer HD. Hey, look, Lone's helping me Damn out. Hey, why the fuck not, right? Yeah, fuck it. All right. Yeah, you listened this far. Use the hashtag Legacy Killer HD. Let us know you made it this far. We hope to see a lot of you because this is a really good episode. And yeah, that'll do it for episode 124 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And- we talked over each other, so prepare for those statements. Oh, fuck. Uh, Ooh, yeah. People are going to be mad at Ooh, me yeah. for, get, for telling Lone no. <laughs> They're yep. going to be like, how dare you guys disagree? <laughs> did Carrick tell him to fuck off? What the I, hell? I, I, oh, no, I did not. I did not. That'll be <laughs> uh, Anyway. It's great. All Thanks, right. guys, for joining. Yep. Thanks. Catch you guys later.